This week, we say goodbye to the Rebuild Evangelion series with Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01 thrice upon a time. This is Body Counts and Beer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosenthal. I'm Patrick Bromley. I am a Jonathan Rooney Taylor that only exists between mind and reality. <laughs> and this week, uh, hot off the heels of uh, uh, a resurgent pandemic, we're back to recording remotely for now uh, because of a rash of illnesses, not just in homes, but also worldwide. Yeah. Global illness apocalypse. We ended up following the exact trajectory that this film took uh, 12 years to make. Because we also <laughs> oh, took yeah. a break to look at another movie. Like Hideaki Anno took a break to go do a Godzilla. And then <laughs> global pandemic kept pushing out the record date. Yep. So now I'm in an echoey basement. Watch Ooh. out! Also, I believe that our wives are all talking to each other on the phone yes. in another room. So, sure. intrepid listeners, At least some of our wives are, in fact. You can put this audio, stitch it together. Not unlike uh, what was it in Rainbows and OK Computer, the two fucking Radiohead albums. Yeah. They're supposed mm-hmm. to like go together. You can do that with this podcast. Yeah, or those uh, four. Uh... Those four uh, Flaming Lips albums. Yeah, the album that came on four <laughs> records and you had to put them in different places because, like, I guess we just didn't have enough to do in the 90s. Yeah, right. Hey, dickhead, you want to hear my music? You want to hear my music? Get four fucking stereos, <laughs> you piece of shit. That's me. I'm Wayne Coyne, and I hope you fucking suffer to hear my bullshit baby rock. That's me. Wayne Coyne, but you know from what? Oklahoma, Here's the th- where everyone talks like this. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by, Wayne Coyne, from the Flaming Lips. The Flaming Lips were uniquely uh, like positioned to be the only band you could see live during the pandemic because they were already in those fucking bubbles. <laughs> That's true. But they this would have correct. to give everybody else bubbles. Oh, buddy, they did. There's footage Ooh. of it. It's deeply embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, that definitely it, it is. I've seen that footage. It is too many bubbles. You cannot <laughs> trust that many people with bubbles. Uh, so this week, we are finally ending our ongoing live coverage of the rebuild of Evangelion <laughs> series. Breaking this news, Shinji's still sad. Back to you. Oh he might be the saddest at the beginning <laughs> of this movie. Uh, so we are finally tackling 2021's Evangelion colon 3.0 plus 1.01. Oh, I forgot the last. Subtitled is it? Thrice Upon a Time because he doesn't care who he hurts with these titles. <laughs> hey, but there's no parentheses anymore, so that's nice. That's you true. Know, this numbering system was so confusing, I actually had to go to our SoundCloud page to find out which one we were on. <laughs> Well, especially because the other ones, for as much like parenthetical bullshit and like grammar wankery that they put in, it was at least in your iTunes library, 1.11, 2.22, 3.33, and then this garbage. Is 3.0 something plus? 
one. Yeah, three point zero plus one point zero one, which is a distinction that needs to be made because it was originally released as three point zero plus one point zero, but then they did like additional animation to it, but not enough to warrant a full new whole number. Just yeah. enough for a point zero one. Okay. My cat is also extremely upset about this, Patrick. <laughs> that seems reasonable. I get it. I get it. Right? Do you know uh, what the extra animation was? Was it all those crazy water effects? Well, what it was, was uh, Hideaki Anno, at one point, he interrupts the film to go to live action, where he's just him yes. in a camcorder saying, fuck you specifically and exclusively, Patrick <laughs> Bromley. You don't like Shinji? How about three and a half hours, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01, Thrice Upon a Time begins, like all movies do. Previously the, on. Yeah. Pre- <laughs> with a five-minute recap. On. With title cards. The previously on has title cards of the other movies. Correct. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like you have turned on uh, an episode of the rebuild of Evangelion uh, and it is giving you a, here's what happened last week on Evangelion. Yeah. And here's what happened the week after that on <laughs> Evangelion. And one week after that, here's what happened on Evangelion. And now, a very special Evangelion. <laughs> now, Patrick, you said that you had watched this with your wife. I also watched it with my wife, but she had seen all of the original airing of the TV show. And we were watching wow. the rebuilds together. Your wife... Uh, I think we can call social services on you for making her watch this completely <laughs> devoid not, of context. For the record, I did not make her watch it. I warned her. I was like, you don't want to see this and it's not going to make any sense. But she didn't have anything else to do, I guess. And so she watched it. Bad DCFS is on the way. Uh, Mark, please inform John that neither I nor my wife are friends with John anymore. Because Understood. I did lose that this is all John's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. John, John, Patrick wanted me to pass on to you that uh, you are no longer friends with Patrick uh, oh. or his wife. Well, I'm going to have yeah. to change a lot of stationery. That's going to be a real cost sink for me. Mark, okay, Mark. Patrick, Patrick, hold on. Patrick, okay. John wanted me to pass on that he's very upset because now he has to change all his stationery. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Those are fair feelings. I just want to, Mark, can you tell John that if we come over to his house to visit his wife, who we are still friends with, he can still make us food. But we're not friends. Understood. John, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Patrick wanted me to express to you Let that- me interrupt you to ask you a question, <laughs> Mark, real quick. Yeah, sure. Do you think it's kind of fucked up that they put Crosby, Stills, and Nash in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame without Neil Young? <laughs> John, I absolutely think it's fucked up. Even though, if in, in the grand scream of CSN- sometimes Y uh, releases. The Y was only there a very small amount of time, but he was a very important part, probably the most important part, because he's the one who wrote Ohio. Correct. If the I can, only if song I can they give a shit about. Yeah. Cut in on this. I do believe I recently saw the quote of David Crosby saying that Neil Young is the most selfish person that ever lived. Buddy, Neil Young turned his gas car into an electric car. Then he wrote a whole album about it. Then the car exploded, and he wrote a whole album about how his car exploded. That's so, not so. That's the, he's level the most of selfless. <laughs> Sounds like he's very selfless. Yeah. Uh, hey, John, are you upset that 
Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Sands Young, wrote a fucking montage rock song for War Games? Yes, very much so. You shouldn't be, it fucking rules. I was gonna say, actually, that thing rocks. (laughs) Anyways. War Games has a great soundtrack. Uh, anyways, after five straight minutes of here's what happened last time, the movie begins proper with uh, Vile, uh, the uh, the organization dedicated to defeating Nerve, uh, the rebel organization run by Misato, uh, are now using their uh, their airship, the Wunder, and they're also flying World War Two era battleships to build a perimeter around the uh, around France. To, or Paris specifically, to uh, rehabilitate it into a habitable zone of some kind? Yeah, so there's a giant pillar that's sticking out in the middle of Paris. Uh, everything has been under the effect of the near third impact that we saw at the climax of the last movie. Listeners, this is not a good episode to start with this podcast either. Go back and <laughs> listen to literally any of the other ones we've done before. Well, don't go too far back. We we drank a lot of liquor when this first started. Yeah, I would say don't go. <laughs> you used don't to bring any... whiskey and beer to these recordings. Hey, hey, yeah. hey! Cheers! Oh no! Oh no! I I just finished mine. Uh, whiskey, that is. I have two beers. Oh, nice. no. For we, now, we are ready um, for Evangelion. I mean, I will need a beer break. Um, but yeah, so there of is. Course. Everything has uh, been. Under the effect of the near third impact, so everything is stained red and uninhabitable, and any human being that was on Earth at the time has been transformed into a headless Evangelion with no soul in it. Uh, right, so just... Vile is descending on this giant pillar that's in the middle of Paris in an attempt to basically purify the area around it and get back into the european nerve headquarters so that they can resupply after their devastating defeat at the hands of unit 13 in the previous movie and they're doing this by uh putting on a um straight up uh what looks like a nuclear bomb on top of this thing but it's a cleansing bomb and they're using uh mari the uh ava pilot of ava uh evangelion 8 uh, who's going to like sort of drop everything in place and do all the fine things and protect them should Nair's defenses come against them? Evil Unit Eight is looking rough. Yeah, because it yeah. was it had its like arms torn off in the last encounter, so it's got basically a giant like gyro around its chest with just free floating arms, and those arms are also made entirely of gun. Yeah. Yes. I also appreciate that Unit 8's entire chest area is just bandaged. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no. Unit 8's in bad shape. Uh, but yeah, so they, they start the operation. They go down. Everybody is wearing a pilot suit because the atmosphere is uninhabitable. The LCL levels are too high or too low. I can't remember how it works, uh, but they're starting they're to... too high. Do you I happen think to you're know right. what the LCL stands for? That was one of the questions I was asked while I was watching this. That's that liquid stuff that's inside all the Ava cockpits yeah, that they breathe yeah. in to oxygenate their blood real good. And it's also like 
the primordial soup of life at the beginning of life on the planet. And it's also that stuff that gets bled out of Lilith, who is being crucified underneath the old nerve headquarters. Gotcha. What it stands for escapes my mind, as do <laughs> several character names. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, there's all the all of the like Vile like Vunder support crew. Like uh their names I have no idea. There's like Lady with fake lips. There's There's Bubblegum Hair Lady. Yeah. yeah. There's Baldy. Cranky Man. Cranky Baldy Man who wears entirely too many bandanas on his arm. Yeah, there's the long black haired lady that drives. Correct. And then there's the bridge crew from Nerve Headquarters who have defected and joined Misato. Right. Right. Again, whose names I do not know. There's yeah. glasses one. There's long hairs <laughs> one. There's yeah. girl one. Yeah, you yeah, know the there ones. you go. I seen them. Yeah, so, anyways, true. these guys, these uh, they got a bunch of like computer guys hacking, and uh, they're having a hard time getting all the hacking done because uh, apparently they're using a programming language unknown to any living being ever. Yeah, yeah and they said that specifically they're using 8-bit computer processors, which is yeah. hilarious. Those are mm-hmm. Nintendo systems. Yeah. That's well, what that equates to. But yeah, basically, it's it's kind of in the same way that like the ancient Britons allowed the aqueducts of Rome to fall into disrepair because none yet lived who could speak the dead language. Uh, I guess we forgot how to, like, code? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, C++ and whatever GUI just didn't make it past the <laughs> second impact. <laughs> so yeah, while they're hacking the system, oh no, there's a whole bunch of flying Avas. Yeah, Nerve sends their uh, their sort of like, uh, I guess, attack fighter squadron, which are... Yeah, they're basically giant winged Evangelions with the like angel masks on them and fucking spears sticking out of their goddamn faces. Yeah. Yes, uh, and so Unit 8 is uh, pressed into duty to, to run interference, and at first it's no big deal with the first wave. She runs up there. It takes a little bit of getting used to with the arms, because the arms don't have, like, joints yeah. or musculature. She also, the it's been retrofitted so that it doesn't use the same, like, weird lever-pulley trigger system that the old Avas do. It's got a giant hologram trucker wheel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So there's a lot of times where she's just doing the trucker thing where she's, like, resting on her elbow, looking backwards and spinning it with her palm, which yeah. fucking yeah. rules. Yeah. Half the time it looks like she's, like, trying to parallel park. Yeah. And it's awesome. If this movie uh, has anything going for it, it's that it's got a lot of great Mari. Yeah, Mari rules. Yeah, Mari, the horniest character in, I'm going to say, all fiction? Sure, and there have been some pretty horny characters. You got Marquis de Sade in there. You got Marquis Mark in there. Man. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'll never consider Marquis Mark horny. <laughs> <laughs> I consider him racist garbage. Yeah, there you go. See, that I get. <laughs> so Mari fucking takes out this whole big swarm of uh, flying mass-produced Avas uh with her giant spinny gun arms and the entire time this is happening the animation while clearly it is computer assisted with a mixture of like 2d elements it is fucking wild 
Like, yes. she is, her Ava, like, the middle of it is stationary, the arms and gyro are spinning around it, while the camera is also spinning around the characters. It's incredibly frenetic, but, like, personally, I never felt lost about where I was in space and time during the fight, like, can sometimes happen with these types of fights. It's not like a Michael Bay movie where yeah. there's so many edits and cuts and it's jumpy and handheld that like you lose the geography of what's happening. It's all like perfectly crafted. Yeah, and like cuts will carry motion into each other in really interesting ways. Like there's there's never it's never like an abrupt stop of motion. A motion will complete itself even if the camera cuts on, right. on different beats of the action. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's a nice um, it's nicely done. This one seemed like it had a lot more computer assistance, as you called it, than the other ones before it. Well we'll definitely oh, yeah. see later on as this movie gets more and more meta, like they straight up show you the motion control cameras that they used while making yeah. this movie yeah. in yeah. this movie. That's true. When we go to Aha Land and sing Take On Me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so after the wave one of of uh, mini Avas, each of whom, when they are murdered, make a tiny little cross in the sky. Yes. Uh, comes yeah, because the they're second... still they're still like made of angel, and an yeah. angel will make a cross no matter what. Uh, then the second wave shows up. We got uh, fucking more... Pink Floyd, goddamn <laughs> goose step and hammers, basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a, a giant, like, Final Fantasy, like, tank monster that shows up. Uh, and it's surrounded by, yeah, the Pink Floyd fucking the wall walking hammer monsters. And each one of them generates electricity and then fucking shoots that electricity to the big gun monster. They've basically stolen the plan from the second movie where they steal yeah. all of the the power from Tokyo to blow up an yeah, angel. except it's been, like, mobilized. It doesn't have to be, like, landlines doing it. They've gone wireless, baby. They're on yeah. 5G. To be fair, they didn't actually steal the plan because this is nerve, so this is still their plan. That's, That's true. Uh, this is Misato... technically, at this point, a play. Yeah, Misato, uh, she signed a work-for-hire contract. All of the ideas she had while working with Nerve are the intellectual property thereof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it all checks out. By the way, quick I wrestling tangent. in a mailroom. <laughs> Any postage you use does not legally belong to you, Patrick. That's right. But a uh, quick wrestling tangent. In AEW, the big heel of the season who is, like, gearing up for a fight with a recently signed-on CM Punk, you can tell that he's the biggest heel because he got another wrestler into his, like, heel alliance. And that <laughs> other wrestler was like, oh, man, it's going to be so great when I win that belt off CM Punk. It's going to rule. And the uh, fucking heel who is this, like, real douchey rich boy is just like, uh, excuse me, you signed a work-for-hire contract? That belt is mine? <laughs> and that's the, like, turning point of, like, oh, shit, this guy's gotta go down. <laughs> fuck this guy. That is the ultimate, like, fuck you, Vince McMahon, like, storyline that oh, they could have yeah. done. It's great. Um... But yeah, so this giant fuck-all tank with all the power of Tokyo uh, fires one blast. They have to get all of the floating warships to, like, form a phalanx protection shield. And, uh, boy, they explode real good. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the second shot is coming, and they're they need more time to get the uh, the air purifier going. So what does Mari do? Mari takes the recently just destroyed Eiffel Tower and r- runs at the gun with like a fucking spear, yep. and jams it into the gun so it backfires like a Looney Tunes like Elmer Fudd cartoon. That's now, right. Now, so uh, we watched this separately uh, yesterday. I watched it for the first time with the Japanese voice tracks and the English subtitles. And something that they do a lot in the Japanese tracks in these movies that they don't do in the English track is that Mari speaks many, many different languages. So I think in the English version of this, she says, like, sorry about this, Eiffel. But, like, in the Japanese track, she says, excusez-moi, monsieur Eiffel. And, like, it just it, adds a really good layer of charm to her. Yeah, that is right. There she is a say, like, sorry, Mr. Eiffel. That's right. Yeah, there is a part in the English dub where she says, like, 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 je apologize, ma belle. Like, there is, like, a yeah. little French bit, but it doesn't come off as, like, I speak a bunch of languages. It more comes off, like, as, like, this is my fucking cool hero thing to say. Yeah. Right. This is my, one of my French lines. Yeah. Yeah. And that happened a lot, especially in her introduction in 2.22. She's, like, bouncing between Japanese and English a lot and, like, trying to settle on. Uh, when she, like, parachutes in uh, the school rooftop and meets Shinji for the first time, she, like, mm-hmm. speaks openly about her conspiracy over the comm because she's speaking English and Shinji can only speak Japanese. And that's just, like, a weird thing that they didn't even try to, like, localize in a way that was right. a little disappointing. Ah, okay. That just uh, got flattened out. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Amazon dubs in general really flatten out a lot of the, like, more, like, punchy kind of personality that comes through. Because uh, there were actually... Oh, boy. Okay. Get ready to ride that 15-second skip button, audience, and possibly also Mark and Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when they did the rebuilds, they had Funimation do the localization for it, and they did the English dub. When Amazon bought it, they did their own internal dub of 3.0 plus 1.01, but they got most of the actors from Funimation to come back to have that continuity. But then for some reason, they also went back and redubbed all the other movies like in-house with Amazon, and they're all markedly worse. They're not terrible, But they're just, they're so, they feel very flat and mechanical, which is, it kind of leads to the idea of, like, this, not to be, like, a subs over dub snob, but, like, there's a lot of very over-the-top melodramatic language in this movie, particularly, um, and it, it feels, it goes down way smoother if you can read it instead of hear it. (laughs) like for sure like there's a very embarrassingly melodramatic scene that the english actors do their best with but it's a very mechanical localization and like hearing the japanese voice track is just like oh they're going for this like douglas sirk like big emotions to the boiling point and then going beyond it but in the english dub it's just like they're doing that thing where they're yelling but also holding back so they don't blow out the microphones, and it just right. feels real weird. I, I'm sorry, John. Are you? Are you? <laughs> oh no! I broke Mark. 
I I just had to say you brought up D- Douglas Sirk. Sure. Are you are you are you saying that that the Evangelion movies are like the the far from heaven of anime movies? <laughs> <laughs> like they are all like just a uh, uh, sort of homage Todd Haynes style homage to the works of Douglas Sirk. Is that what you're saying? I'm sorry it took me so long to get there. I knew the movie I wanted to say, but I couldn't remember what it was called, so I had to look it up. Wow. All I looked up was Julian Moore's sad housewife movie. <laughs> but you got what you needed from that, right? You know I did. Yeah, I guess what I'm what I'm really saying, Mark, if I, if you'll allow me to uh, sit in my chair backwards and also backwards up my baseball cap. So oh shit, he's rapping! If he's someone rapping approaches me from behind, they'll think I'm just a real hairy-faced guy. Like a malignant! Like a malignant. But here's the thing. <laughs> what I'm really saying is, have you ever thought about this, this way, in this form of, like, Shakespeare was, like, the OG gangster rapper, you know? Like, I know you like your Snoop Dogs, oh and you remember Dre, but oh. let me, let me drop some real fresh beats. This I'm one's sorry, called on. Sonnet Wait 17. Wait a minute. Uh, are you telling me, John, that the Evangelion movies are the Renaissance man of <laughs> anime movies? Correct. The Danny, Danny DeVito, DeVito is very Mark angry. E. Mark movie? Mm-hmm. Yep, he's yeah. real angry. He wants to make uh, a soldier out of whoever his co-star is in that movie. I only ever saw the it's poster. It's Marky Mark. I only ever saw the poster. I never even saw a trailer, but I know exactly you what you're talking Renaissance about. Man, where Danny DeVito oh. teaches the army kids how to read Shakespeare. It is. It's. I think dead, Patrick. It's Dead Poets Society, but with army kids and Danny DeVito. True. I don't Actually, know. Um, as far as like an '80s shitbird comedy goes, it's in my memory not that bad. Also, I mean, a '90s shitbird cut. Oh comedy. yeah, you're probably right. But let me I am run right. out and see it. But it's not. But bad. in terms of '90s U.S. military-based comedies, how does it stack up against McHale's Navy and Sergeant Bilko? Not as good it's as be- either. Yeah, <laughs> it's worse than both. But it is better than Major Pain. True facts. Ooh, buddy, having Major Pain is better than Major Pain. Back of the box Zing. quote. <laughs> I've been Gene Shallot. See you later. <laughs> that was his catchphrase, right? Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he just said it to that big ass mustache. Man. I mean it was a great mustache though. Hair and of a champion. Like, that the, yeah, the hair. Yeah. Whatever you yeah, want to yeah. call that. So anyways, uh Vile and and the Wunder de- end up defeating the forces of Nerve and save Paris. Ah, they should have let it go. They should have saved a better city. I agree. Paris is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Fuck no, off, The Paris. Eiffel Tower and the gun thing was great, but then, like, maybe go to Marseille? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Paris. No, I'm with Boo. you on that. Paris is bullshit. You heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news, guys. Paris sucks. <laughs> well, we eventually, we immediately leave Paris, and we make our way to the uh, decimated ruins of Tokyo 3, where we catch back up with our, our our nominal heroes of the film, the Ava Pilots, clone of Rei Ayanami, Asuka, and the saddest Shinji yet. I gotta say that my favorite new name for Rei Ayanami is definitely Original Batch. 
Yeah. <laughs> I nominate that we refer to the clone of Ray Ayanami as original batch for the rest of this movie. For the rest of this Done podcast. and done. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. We'll do that up until she becomes Miss Lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it, it reads better than it sounds. <laughs> I guess what I'm, I'm saying sure is if you think about it. she's supposed to look alike. She's supposed to look like Ray because okay. they these people, a lot of them know Ray. So when she's introduced, it's like, hey, you think this is Ray, but it's not. She just looks like her. And they're like, oh, and- Miss Lookalike. Why right. do they know Ray? I couldn't remember that. Because many all of them of grew is... up with, with Ray. We'll get yeah. to that. We'll get to okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so anyways, they're wandering through the desolate wasteland that is Tokyo 3, destroyed, obviously, because of the near uh, Shinji's actions in the previous film, the with the third, third impact. impact. The near third impact. It's near. Today, That's right. we will be edging the apocalypse. I don't know if I made that joke in the last Ava movie, but it's I don't know if very did. true. No, I don't know. I like it, though. Solid, solid yep. One. yep, yep. <laughs> what I love is that at the ending of the the last movie, uh, like, Gendo tries to make the apocalypse. The apocalypse doesn't happen. And then he sits back and just like, yes, all according to plan. And it just, <laughs> what fucking is it? You goddamn Texas sharpshooter. Well, see, I really just wanted him to activate Unit 13. Now that it's awake, I don't really care anymore. Blah. Yes, you do. Your plan failed. It completely yeah, fell apart. get one of them cool Jordy LaForge visors to hide his, to hide his godness. So, I mean, like, yeah. that's probably some of the plan. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I stopped paying attention because the beer I just opened is so good. Oh, shit. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh... Uh, so, just as for everybody, this is uh, from uh, Distill Brewery in Normal, Illinois. It is called Hawaii Five Ale. Whoa! Um, it is a blonde ale with pineapple, coconut, mango, peach, and guava, but it tastes like a fucking pina colada, and I'm loving it. <laughs> nice. Okay. Nice. Rock on. Oh. See, so, yeah, we do you remember? Do you remember those uh like like the Arizona iced tea pina colada bottles that you yes, can get? Definitely. That's what it tastes like, but carbonated. <laughs> you are and blowing beer? my goddamn mind That's that amazing. Arizona iced tea made anything other than green tea. No, no. What are you talking about? They had Arnie Palmer's. I love yes! an Arizona Arnie Palmer. I still love an Arizona Arnie Palmer. Yeah. I I guess in the in the uh, fucking food desert of central Pennsylvania, it was green tea or get the fuck out. Oh, no, oh, that is fair. No. I heard that in central Pennsylvania, you guys actually drink liquefied coal. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> true. Well, it's coal dust. Well, uh, yeah, we, no, it's like Ovaltine. Exactly, yeah, you gotta stir it in with your Lebanon bologna. Yeah. Also, by sense. the way, by the way, Coal Dust is the third Rhodes child. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's the American looking off in the middle distance. Yeah. If we're going to keep doing wrestling stuff, I figured I'll get my one thing in. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man, the Rhodes brothers are back as a fucking tag team and they rule. Oh, I love it's it. It's so good. I really got to get back into wrestling. It's back on TNT, my friend. The 90s. They're back. <laughs> I don't have I don't have TV though. Nobody does. You just YouTube that shit. <laughs> all right, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. Look, man, like all I'm going to say is I spent a lot I spent most of my nights watching Bulls basketball right now as of this recording the Chicago Bulls 
Currently in first, first place, place in the Easter Conference. I told you, Third I warned you, we'd be talking a lot of Bulls here right now. And right now, the Bulls, first fucking place. Yeah, Although yeah. they are about to play the uh, New Jersey Nets tonight. Ooh, uh, but uh, Harden and, that's gonna and be Irving a, are hurt. Ah, but they are playing. Oh, so they answered the question in questionable and it was playing? Yep. Dicks. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, anyways, so who knows? Once... When this comes out, though, the game will have been over. It'll have been long over. Oh, yeah, way but I am, over. I'm very excited about this game, and I'm also very <laughs> excited for them to play the Golden State Warriors in a couple nights now that Klay Thompson's back, although it sounds like he's going to be playing at Milwaukee the night before and resting against the Bulls. Also, Draymond Green should be out, so that should be a decent game. But, nah, Bulls should take that one. But then, ooh, I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it here on the pod, NBA Finals, Bulls, Grizzlies. Whoa. The Memphis Grizzlies Whoa. are the hottest team in the NBA right now. John Morant is doing otherworldly shit on the basketball court. Oh, man. Uh, and I just, it's weird. It's weird because, the first of all, there's no Bears in, the, in Memphis. No. That's not true. There's at least one bear in Memphis. He walks there just like that song, Walking in Memphis. It's about a bear. That's why... Uh, he he does all those things. Anyways, what? So I don't want to. I don't want to. Cohen song? Did you say Andy Cohen? No, I said Leonard. <laughs> Is that a Leonard Cohen song? No, it's Mark Cohn. Mark Cohn. Okay. Not yeah, Roy not Cohn, Cohn. Nixon's former attorney. I His be hateful, hateful attorney. Yeah, walking in and me. also a character in Angels in America. Sure, That's I Roy mean, Cohn. Yeah. I don't want to date this podcast recording too much because I like to I like our art to have a sort of air of timeless quality. But uh, these Tamagotchis are real fucking cool. <laughs> I can't wait for the Star Wars prequels. I know the special editions were a little rough, but you know what? He's going to start with a clean slate and it's going to be real fucking cool. Hey, guys, uh, after that, do you want to go see the, the new movie, uh, fucking Citizen Kane? I hear that's pissing off this William Randolph Hearst. That means we got to see it soon. Okay, Whoa. but before we go, we got to go get ourselves a bag of 3D Doritos and play Pogs. And yeah. then, after everything's over, we'll go to the old soda shop and get a phosphate. Sure, Ooh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a Fanta phosphate and hope that this terrible depression ends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's we just did a it, depression, guys. honestly. <laughs> Try locating us now, time cops. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> Jerks. Okay, all right, so... We really got to get through this movie. Yeah, so we have a montage of them walking through the desolate uh, post-impact Tokyo. And it's a... I really like this sequence because the visuals are real goddamn cool. There's like... The third impact has like fucked up pockets of gravity. So there's a lot of just floating debris that never falls. That's just gently spinning. Floating rail cars. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to say floating train cars. Floating train cars. Floating uh, like... Power line pylons. I don't it's know. pretty cool. It's it's cool. I yeah, like it a lot. Uh, we end up getting uh, little insert shots that the life support systems on their like pilot suits are starting to run out. Uh, but luckily, they are rescued by a mysterious stranger in a radiation suit, and he brings them to Studio Ghibli presents futuristic sci-fi anarchy village. <laughs> <laughs> it's the coolest place where communists plant seeds in water that you'll ever go. And you know that because Original Batch is about to learn the joy and meaning of work. 
Uh, so yeah, we so basically yeah. go to uh, I I think what is it called Village Thirteen? It's called Village Three. Village yeah. Three. There we go. Yeah, because it's built upon the ruins of Tokyo Three. Yes. Sure. Uh, and yeah, they are taken into the local doctor, and that local doctor turns out to be fucking Toji. That's, That's right. True. It's uh, it's it's uh, Shinji's old buddy Toji. You know, his old buddy, the day they met the first time he punched him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now they're all good buddies. And he's very happy to to see his old buddy Shinji. Uh, everyone, I will say this. What I love about this sequence is everybody in town absolutely 100% knows that Shinji is responsible for the, the most recent destructions of their world. True. And every single one of them is like, man, I'm just glad to see you're here, Shinji. Yeah. Good for you, buddy. Just let I him really chill hope out. You, he needs I hope space. you get better. Yeah. Keep on keeping on, Shinji. <laughs> but so they're hanging out. Um, this is where we get the, like, this this girl looks like Ray, but she's not Ray. I really love the line that Ray has where she sees a baby for the first time and she says, why did you shrink that human? Yes. <laughs> That is pretty great. Because <laughs> uh, this Ray is essentially a blank slate. She was born in a tube in Nerve H quarters it's, uh, and has like literally never been outside. It's important to note that this is when my wife looked at me and I looked at her and I said, I don't know, she's like a clone or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say 95% of Ray's lines are somebody shows her something and she goes, What's that? And they oh, go, yeah. that's a thing. And she goes, what's a thing? <laughs> and that's like all of her lines. This and then is... she'll usually go, this is good. Yeah, again, yeah. it's it's, a, it's it's way snappy. I really do not like the English voiceover that they did for Ray because it is so like Xanaxed, you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's it a is real a lot Frankenstein's more... monster sequence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... In the sense that it's stitched together from various other sequences of <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. You got your Bride of Frankenstein. You got your Brenneth Can- uh, uh, Brenneth Canna. Your yeah, Brenneth he's nailed the evil, it. The evil clone. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's Kenneth Branagh's clone with a, a goatee. <laughs> Correct. But yeah. like an upside down goatee that's been sewed on hastily. Right, he's doing and it he's for tax avoidance. Oh, that's so the character on. he the character he plays in Wild Wild West. You mean? Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. Although here's the thing, you guys see his Poirot. Uh, Is he supposed seen... to be Poirot? Is that who he's supposed to be? Not in Wild for... Wild West. I Death I need to make this clear. <laughs> Death on a train or whatever it is. His new show. It's a movie. Yeah, Death oh, on the Nile, which Death is a sequel no, no, no. to Murder on the Nile, which is a sequel to uh, The Orient Express that came out a couple years yeah. ago. Okay. I do not like Kenneth Branagh. I think no. that dude is a bad actor who True distracted fact. everyone with loud voices and lots of hand motions. It's the Robin Williams effect. But his Poirot is real fucking good. Oh, yeah? Okay. It's I- real good. <laughs> Here's what I love about the his Poirot. So in Orient Express, he has like a slightly ludicrous mustache, 
But in the trailer for Death on the Nile, he has the same ludicrous mustache with a larger support mustache beneath it. Yeah, yeah they 3D printed his mustache, so they also had to print the support structures that they could snap yeah. off later. Man. Yeah, it, If you go watch the trailer, dear listener, for Death on the Nile and count the number of mustaches that Hercule Poirot has, <laughs> it's at least seven or eight. Yeah, Mustache he's the- scaffolding. He's the fucking Goro uh, from Mortal Kombat 2 of mustaches. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're at this village. Um, Toji, uh, Shinji is like catatonic in his depression right now because in his defense, he did almost destroy the world twice. Each yeah. time he did so by trying to save it. But in the offense of the rest of us, he has been an incomprehensibly whiny bitch this whole time. But also, again, in Shinji's defense, one of the last things he saw was his, like, best friend slash love interest exploded right in front of his face. (laughs) Yeah. So what we're saying is there's a lot going on with this character. And Patrick and I will argue about it later. It'll be great. It is, it is worth all noting... All team Asuka all the time. <laughs> Look. We're going to get I mean, to an incredibly uncomfortable scene where I was totally like, lady, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, no, Asuka does fucking rule. She, she owns. Yes. She owns Bones. She's the best character for sure. But I would argue that Shinji is a good protagonist. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. What? Hell I yeah. will, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was, Patrick, I was 100% on your side up through this last movie. Oh, what are you talking about? This is the worst of the Shinji. It is right now, but like <laughs> Shinji does not end where he starts, and I think right. that that's important to to understand his character. Yeah, after yeah, going we'll after going through the entire series and the end of Evangelion and all three the first three rebuild movies and into this movie, by the end of this movie, I was like, God damn, Shinji, you did it. You got me on your side. And here's the thing that I would like to... I think the moments where he is... It's difficult to understand when his depression kicks in, outshine. Like, in 2.22, like, that dude's pretty much got his shit together. He's, like, having dinner parties and hanging out with his friends. Right. But, like, I think the moments where he is, like, so overly distraught stick out so much more because I don't think we're used to seeing protagonists that have actual flaws and this came to light when we watched last boy scout where like bruce willis is a nihilistic alcoholic piece of shit who has family responsibilities that he does not care about he changes zero of his traits and at the end of the movie everyone's like oh i get it this guy's only flaw is that he's too good (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, there's like, truth to that. There's truth to that. But Shinji, as I've mentioned in other episodes, is modeled on an awful protagonist that I hate that at least dates back to Hamlet, if not before. <laughs> I will say the difference between Hamlet and Shinji is that Hamlet fights pirates. Shinji fights the mindscape of incomprehensible eldritch <laughs> horror. I will admit that Shinji has a lot better fight sequences than Hamlet. True. Hamlet's got like two sword fights and one of them he just stabs a dude through a curtain. He doesn't even yeah. know who it is. Yeah, right. He, he technically just stabbed a curtain. I will also <laughs> say that like Hamlet is just like, 
Should I kill the king? I don't know. It would be wrong. But that ghost told me to. But that ghost could be wrong. I've got the perfect opportunity to kill the king, but then the king will go to heaven. And is that really just? Shinji's conflict is more of just like, okay, there's two spears. This is new. We didn't plan on that. <laughs> uh, my understanding is that doing something will either save or destroy the world. So you know what? I'm just taking them both. John... John, you you skipped the part where Hamlet puts on a whole ass play. <laughs> you are correct. That's true. Hamlet is the first. Uh, oh God, <laughs> Patrick no! is dead. Listen, you can't see what happened, but Patrick's camera just took a nosedive <laughs> off of his table because even Patrick's camera likes Shinji more than Patrick. That's true. But I will My say again, just did or or so I missed all of that. Either that or Patrick's camera hates talking about that play Hamlet puts on. Uh, my camera and me as a person also hates all well, conversations think, of the play within a play in Hamlet. Well, I think what's what's happening is that uh, Patrick's camera thinks that the play within a play in Hamlet uh, has conflated it with the curse of saying Macbeth in a theater. And it's just like, no, you can't talk about it in a live performance. I gotta stop this. The curse of Macbeth may or may not kill anyone. The discussion of the play within a play in Hamlet is always insufferably painful. Boy, howdy, but if you ever audition for, uh, if you ever are auditioning a Shakespeare show, as in you're on the other side of the table calling in actors, strap all the fucking way in for the people are smart enough not to do to be or not to be. They know that that's a losing battle, but they will do speak the speech, I pray you. Oh my god. But here's speak the twist. The speech, I pray you is like the weird tutorial that you do freshman year in college <laughs> to learn how say, to act. Like you're never supposed to perform it. Here's the twist though, Patrick. Would yeah. you believe that they are the first person, each of them, to ever come up with the idea... I'm going to do it like a bitchy director I worked for once. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Oh. Remind me to never direct. Or at least Oh, it's, it's awful. <clears throat> so anyways, Toji takes in Shinji. Toji is now married to, would you believe it, the class rep. Yeah. That's true. They fell in love after the near third impact destroyed what was left of humanity. Right. Yeah. And Toji became a doctor. Good for Toji. No, no. Toji, Toji, Toji very medical clearly, equipment. Yeah. Toji very clearly says later in the movie, he is not a doctor. He's just pretending to be a doctor to help people. Listen, yeah, if he, you he have knows... a stethoscope and a lab coat, you're a doctor. That's true. And yeah, like, the thing is, like, it's clear that the village is just not, it was never equipped to really, like, take care of itself. So it is just a lot of people coming together and just like, I know first aid. Well, then you're the doctor. Your job is mostly for us to yell at you when things go wrong. And he's like, Toji literally has the line of like, I did things after the third impact that I have a great shame about, but I did them for my family, and I'm atoning by letting the village yell at me every time someone dies, because I'm the doctor. We're all agreed Toji ate somebody, right? I think (laughs) Toji ate a cat. Because there's lots of cat- Oh no, better- Alright, I'm coming up with this theory. Toji ate the last living dog. Because there are no dogs, there are a lot of stray cats in the village- no, no dogs. dogs. 
Later on in the movie, when all the souls come back to Earth, we do see very clearly one dog. I think Toji ate the last dog. <laughs> he ate him. No, that's fair. I would be ashamed. That's of the that. thing that Toji's really just like, I'm very ashamed. I ate a Labrador. And... I need to make this incredibly clear that this is not a racist thing. This is not a like people from Asia <laughs> eat dogs thing. That is not what I'm saying. Yeah, I just fair. put together the evidence of this particular event. Oh yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that. See, I just assumed he ate people, like any I... like anybody in a in a in a post apocalyptic <clears throat> minds like landscape would do. There's probably lots of dead people around. Sure. And they probably ate them. Well, I mean, like, I understand eating a dog in that situation as well. Like, I get it. Like, Toji, you did what you had to do to fucking survive. <laughs> sure. Uh, but World anyway. War Z, Toji. World War Z. Uh, so fucking who should show up but fucking Kensuke. Hell yeah. That's right. Uh, Kensuke shows up. Kensuke is now the, like, handyman for the village three and he lives yeah. out in the middle of nowhere but he brought booze <laughs> that's yes, right <laughs> and what i love is we cut to a conversation of original batch having uh, a talk with class rep about like what it means to have a child and like what it means to be connected to other people and the entire time in the background you hear muffled toji just drunkenly screaming and singing <laughs> oh it's great i love it meanwhile shinji just sits in the corner he won't eat his food he won't have anything to drink uh class rep's dad is just like shinji god damn it why don't you eat some fucking food shinji yeah. this is you are you're bringing shame upon this household shinji yeah and that's and, 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 and again he, and again, he gets a lot of compassion in a lot of this, but he also does get yelled at and kicked a whole lot. <laughs> yes. But again, like, Toji and Kensuke are just both like, hey, man, just leave him alone. He'll come around on his own. It's okay. Well, remember that, that Toji and Kensuke not only, like, knew him as a friend and understood that, like, look, he's got depressive episodes. Just, like, let him work <laughs> itself out. But also, they were inside the Ava while he was fighting an angel, and they're like, right. look, this kid's got a lot going on. Like <laughs> they just they, not worry about it. They know firsthand the shit that Shinji has gone through. Yes. Uh, so Kensuke is just like, hey, Shinji, why don't you come out to the fucking cabin that I've got away from other people so that you can like have some space to, to get your stuff together? Uh, they go up to the cabin, and who else is there but fucking Asuka? Asuka! And Asuka is so incredibly pissed off at Shinji, just right off the bat. Yeah. yeah. She's playing what appears to be a, um, god, not an Atari Lynx, but a Wonderswan. Yeah, it's a hard call on that one. It looks to me like a Wonder Swan because it's got, except it's got two analog sticks instead of two mm -hmm. D-pads, so you can hold it vertically or horizontally. But it also has, like, just a weird, like, uh, like, Virtual Boy red and black, like, grid yeah. game on it that didn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, she takes a break from her video game when uh, Shinji comes in and is just like, you fucking idiot. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. We got work to do. Just snap out of it, you big idiot. You don't want to uh, eat? Fine. Ah, uh, uh, to be fair, Asuka doesn't work. 
Asuka does not work in this town. She sure. makes it very clear later that she's here to protect the town. That's well, right. she's, she's yeah, she says job. specifically, I am here. Uh, at some point, Ray tries to talk to Asuka to like, why don't you come into the village with me? And she says, no, no, no. I'm not, I don't live in the village. I protect the village. Right. Uh, but yeah, this is where we get kind of a, I I love the audacity of this movie to, again, just be like, all right, for 45 minutes, we're just going to be a Miyazaki movie. It's just going to be about living peacefully in nature in small village town. And I don't know, you're just going to sit there, you fucking nerds. Yeah, like at, what follows basically is just like a slice of life kind of movie. Like we see Ray kind of fall in original with the... Yeah, original batch falls in with the like local uh, like rice farming women mm-hmm. or turnip farming. Is it? Or they're maybe planting. Both? They're in the first scene. They're planting rice in in the like irrigation canals, yeah. and then later on, they're like washing daikon radishes. Yes. So they basically are just caring for the the edible vegetation of the village. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, so she falls in with them and begins learning falls all sorts of things. Falls in with them like things. they're a fucking gang. That's right. They are. They're a street <laughs> gang of old women. I do Look, love how... They go to the nice. fucking bathhouse and they get down, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I do I do really like... like uh, They're very like kind old women who teach uh, Original Batch how to like plant crops and care for the crops, but also when she falls over, they will just mercilessly laugh at her. Yeah. Which is great. They make fun of, they're like, they make fun of the clothes she wears. They like, they just roast her left and right. Yeah. And and every time they do, Ray's just like, what it? I can wear different clothes? <laughs> yeah. They are a stereotype of like, your union buddies at your union job though. Like, this is the <laughs> communist utopia that Original Batch has stumbled into. Yeah, no, like, it's, again, like, uh, uh, Hideaki Anno's political leanings are, he doesn't make subtle movies, you know? Like, sure. this is very clear. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I I don't know, I dig it. I'm with him more than I'm against him. Sure. Eventually, Shinji begins, eventually Shinji uh, has food jammed into his mouth in his gullet by Asuka because he yeah. won't eat or drink. Well, what she I love is Asuka... by his shirt and shoves the rations down his throat. An incredibly violent and uncomfortable scene, though you mostly sympathize with Asuka. Yeah, absolutely, because <laughs> Asuka's whole point is just like, you still don't understand why I'm mad at you from two movies ago. Mm. I'm not going to let you die until you understand why I'm mad at you. It is great. I love... I love when he first sees Asuka. Asuka is like just standing in this house, stark ass naked. Yeah, she just got out of a bath. And Shinji walks in and she's like, look at you, you idiot. I'm sitting here naked and you're not even freaking out. What's wrong with you? And then the only thing that gets the thing of he sees she's wearing the like explosive suicide squad collar. And then he's like, oh, no. And he like throws up all over the place. Yeah, because he's flashing back to, like, the last time I saw that, it exploded the head of the only person who loved me unconditionally. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we basically, we live in this world for a little bit as Ray sort of becomes a member of the community. Um, At one point, Kensuke, uh, Shinji fucks off to the ruins of the old Nerve headquarters, that big, like, concrete slab where Unit 1 used to live. Uh, We see... A payoff 
to fucking Pen Pen, the other greatest character in this movie, where there's just a fleet of Pen Pens. Pen Pen's been fucking. He's bringing back the Pen Pen Penguin. Hell yeah. That's right. There's a whole family slash maybe army of Pen Pens. (laughs) At least the baseball team. Look, the last time Pen Pen saw a bunch of penguins, he radicalized them and militarized them very quickly. Yeah, Pen Pen gets shit done. Um, but yeah, Shinji starts moping in this spot. Uh, Ray visits him every day to give him rations so that he doesn't starve to death. Uh, Shinji still won't like talk to anyone or do anything until finally um, Kensuke is just like, all right, come with me. We need to go out to the outskirts of the village. We need to fish. We're supposed to get one fish a week for part of the rations here, why don't you try fishing for once? Uh, and he doesn't catch any fish, but he does catch something to do. So now whenever he goes back to the concrete slab, he just starts fishing every day to try to catch the rations for the village. And faster than I remember, he actually starts to like come out of his depression and starts just like, like he comes back. And uh, I love Asuka's just like, are you dumb being like a selfish, sad idiot? And he's just like, yeah. All right. Are you going to be a grown up and do some work tomorrow? Yeah. It is a solid 40 minutes until Shinji speaks a word in this yep. movie. He yeah. doesn't have a line until 40 minutes in. Yep. Uh and then but then once he does like he is we see Shinji is like the sort of like like he's coming out of his shell and like he is like He's turned a back corner. To, yeah. yeah, he's back to, like, second movie Shinji. Like, he's happy, he's got a purpose in life, nobody's yelling at him besides Asuka, which is par for the course. Like, he's, like, living a life, and everyone has forgiven him, seemingly, for destroying the world one and a half to two times. <laughs> right. Yeah, depending on if they stack. Depending on how yes. you count them, yeah. yeah. Um, but... Unfortunately, uh, original batch, her, she can't live outside of getting like a regular LCL treatment. She's like Darth Vader in uh, fucking Empire Strikes Back. She needs to go inside her little meditation chamber or else her body will just liquefy. And uh oh, her little survival suit is out of LCL, life support, whatever the unit of measurement is that you measure such things. Right. Yeah, this is, I, so there's a scene where she goes back to see Shinji again at, like, the penguin dock. And Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, you're early today. And she's like, yeah, I just wanted to, like, thank you for being here and, you know, being the boy I, the boy liked. She gives him back his little, uh, like, audio dat player. Yeah. And then, (laughs) like, I knew. Liquefies. I was going to say, I knew at this point that she was going to die. What I didn't know was that her body would just explode within yes. its suit. Yep. Yep. She she pops. Yeah. That's the only way to describe it. Is she <coughs> maple syrup on everything. Yeah. So that is the LCL that her body has like turned back to. And again, she gets a little cross because she's technically like part of angel experiments. So she's got right. some angel and then the cross fades away and definitely the first time watching it it's like shit well this just reset Shinji didn't it like he's gonna go back to being uh, catatonic about this but no he's just 
the Wunder is coming back. Uh, Shinji goes up to Asuka and he's just like, I'm coming with you. I like, I understand that I fucked up and I'm ready to like face consequences for it. I surrender myself to Ville, take me to the Wunder. I get it. It's cool. At which point Asuka says, sure, here are the rules, and fucking tases him. <laughs> in the face. Awesome. Right in the face. face. She's oh, like, yeah, no, good to it's... see you, buddy. Buzz, 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 buzz. It's so awesome, awesome because after after Ray explodes, like Shinji obviously is very upset, and you're like, and yeah, exactly. You think he's gonna switch, but instead of him going catatonic. He gets a sense of there's a sense of determination of like, like fuck that shit. Like, all right, that's it. I'm fucking done with this. Yeah, we're yeah. fucking doing it. I'm gonna join the resistance and we're gonna fight back against my dad. He did this. Yeah, and then Asuka shoots him in the face with the taser yeah. in the most casual sense possible. It's great. It's the funniest goddamn thing I've oh, seen man, in forever. It's great. We also, we missed in the, like, in the section of living in the village that uh, one of the more important people that Shinji meets is Shinji meets Kaji. But wait, what? Kaji's dead. Yes, he meets Ryoji Kaji. Ryoji Kaji, son of Kaji. And son of Misato. Misato. Uh, We will find out later that Misato was actually expecting child during the first time Shinji almost destroyed the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we also, it's told very non-linearly, non-linearly kind of throughout the movie in fits and starts, but just to sort of get that, get it out of the way, the sort of plot line that unfolds with Kaji is that he, he had been working with Mari to infiltrate Nerve so that the two of them could essentially, like, subvert Gendo's plan for human instrumentality and, like, take Gendo's place in his plan uh, so that they can just, like, revert everything back to normal and avoid an apocalypse, like, once and for all. Um, and, you know, when Shinji did fucking, sec- like, near third impact back at the end of 2.22, Kaji was the one who's just like, all right, well, it's up to me. I'm going to go stop this impact. You guys go form a resistance movement and just, like, carry on this work. And he does so by commandeering one of their, like, hover helicopter things and fucking decapitating the giant kaiju Lilith in a fucking, like, rainstorm of giant skulls. (laughs) It's metal as hell. (laughs) So yeah, Kaji is dead. Uh, Misato obviously gave birth to this child, but also knew that her path was to was a war path to take down Nerve once and for all and like save the world. So she knew that she could not be a mother. So she has never even she's like never had contact with her child. The village has raised her child. She has never she has like at most seen a couple pictures of him. Right. So that's what's going on with that. Ryoji Kaji. So we're back on the Wunder, and Shinji yeah. is in so, fucking Shinji jail. Yeah, Shinji got taken to that place that they put the Hulk and the Avengers on the big plane. Correct, yes. Yeah. Uh, except there's no interminable Joss Whedon dialogue, and 
an incredibly filthy piece of English slang. I was going to say, nobody calls anyone a mewling quim. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, Jesus, buddy. I wonder if that movie got like an R rating in the UK or if they just had to change that line because like, buddy... They say the C word over there, and they know you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> like, that's how bad that is. Uh, anyway, kids, ask your parents. Parents, ask your kids. Everybody, look it up, because it's English. True. True. Anyways, uh, so Shinji is now being held uh, captive aboard the Wunder. Uh, the Wunder, uh, we got Misato and crew... Uh, they are going to rebuild units uh, two and eight using like pieces that they found while they were in Paris. Um, and they're going to finally mount like a final attack yeah, they on, can the, see, on nerve headquarters. They can see that Gendo has started to try to reactivate unit 13 to finish off the third impact. So it's now or never. They got to go to the site of the first impact, which is Antarctica. Or, well, the second impact second was impact, Antarctica. Yeah. So that's where Gendo has set up, like, new Nerve HQ with Unit 13 to bring about the final impact. Uh, Shinji is in fucking Shinji jail. Uh, they don't put a new bomb on his throat because his sink rate with Unit 1 is zero. Unit 1 is still powering the Wunder. Uh, and what I like is, again, just to show the character growth of Shinji... Asuka comes in and is just like, do you understand why I'm mad at you? And he's like, yes. It's because when you were being taken over by the angel in Unit 3, I didn't save you, but I also didn't kill you. I didn't make any decision because I was too scared. And I'm sorry. And she's like, well, I used to have a crush on you. But then I grew up and I hate you. But I guess we're cool. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which is Mari like and yeah. Asuka go visit him before they go on the mission. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I love that that Mari and Asuka clearly have a relationship with each other. Like they yes. are living in the same room. Uh, Mari is like they they have a very lived in romantic relationship with each well, other. Well, I was gonna say when Asuka comes in and sees all the books that Mari has, new books that Mari has brought in, she's like oh more books and she's like i'm gonna read every book that's ever been written and then like snuggles up to asuka like it they are not they're not roommates like no No, they're not they're 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 clearly in a romantic relationship but like a very domestic relate you know like it's not salacious it's not played for like titillation it is they are just incredibly comfortable with each other and very clearly like care for each other what is played for titillation is right before they go visit shinji they're like we need to oh, stop the off somewhere and we just get cameras right in their asses yep. everywhere they go yep because uh you tell an animator to draw a sexy naked lady buddy <laughs> you don't gotta tell them twice <laughs> well and also just remember mm. that there are multiple points in this movie multiple points where mari is described as glasses big boobs yep Yep. multiple points yep yeah 
It's uh, there's again, also a part there's... in this movie where millions of headless naked lady bodies wander the screen. Yes. Sure, but that's that's, that's not that's too. naked in the sense that like Michelangelo's David is naked. It's whoa, not Michelangelo's meant... naked is oh, super boy. horny though. Okay. Yeah, okay. I guess he's super going though, bro. Very naked. <laughs> that's true. Uh, these, that's basically these... porno, man. That's true. These headless like, rays. I can't don't define even have... it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> These headless naked rays don't even have a sling over their shoulder. They they have less clothing than Michelangelo's <laughs> David. Yeah. But yeah, I do agree that there is a base level of horniness that seems to just like come with the territory of most anime that I really think we could lose without missing it. Yeah. I will say you this know... is the this is probably one of the least horny of all of Evangelion anything. Sure. I Especially compared to, like, real quick, like, uh, Patrick, you go. Let's just I was let's just going to say that I don't think they actually need to lose the horniness. I, I, I just think everybody needs to be of age. Technically, sure. these women are, but they are not drawn much differently than they were when they were 14. Like, yeah, there's so, not a huge aging that happens in the character design. Well, they very moment. specifically haven't aged. Like, their right. bodies have not aged. And, like, yeah. yeah, what you're doing is they need to be teenagers for any of the emotions to make sense in these in this right. story. But then that collides with... Ooh, but we could draw some butts, I'll bet, right? Yeah, and that's the part that's uncomfortable. Put them yeah. in their 20s, and this is all totally fucking fine. <laughs> and now, real quick, let's just... I want to get this out of the way, because this is something that we haven't really super discussed. Uh, this is spoilers for the TV show Neon Genesis oh, Evangelion. No. So, the TV show has some even more extraordinarily horny... And sad, horny moments. Yes. Uh, especially towards the end where this movie would ostensibly be taking place. And and even though the stories are very different, I would like to commend the rebuild, the rebuild Evangelion movies for never giving me a scene of Shinji jerking off over a comatose Asuka and coming all over his hand. True. Yep. Tell me that doesn't happen. No, oh, it does! So, and you get a big close-up of that cum hand. Here's the oh, thing, that's though. disgusting. It is, and it is meant to, like, this is Shinji's lowest point in the story. Right. In this. Like, it, you are meant to hate Shinji, and you do, so success. <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, I do agree that, like, I just, I think most media... Now that we have the internet and we are never more, we have the internet on our phones, we are never more than a thought away from whatever level of nudity of a human body we wish to look at. It doesn't need to be in everything anymore. I understood in the 90s, like, ah, we got, we got to get some audience in this, we got to show some boobs. But like, nah, dude, we can see those, like, anywhere it's yeah. fine anytime <laughs> no that's definitely true the continued like 60s 70s era idea of shocking you with nudity and sexual content and that being like somehow a meaningful storytelling device fucking ended with the internet like yeah. it's done yeah. i can only see exploitation in a lot of ways when i see real actors doing softcore 
Yeah, it's real frustrating, and it's even more frustrating when I'm just looking for some cool Evangelion toys on the work computer where everyone can see, and I'm just like, I, I pro- I'm, I'm scrolling past the butt ones as fast as I can. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for cool robots, I promise. It's oh. not... There's totally just creepy. like... Because I would love like a little toy of like Rei Ayanami, uh, especially a design she has later in this movie of like the original, original Rei with like the long matted hair and like the thousand yard stare. Like that's a very striking image and it'd be cool to have like an object that evokes that. But every time I look for it, it's just like, well, here's Ray bending over so you can see her ass and her boobs. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I why? Who? Clearly someone is buying this, but yeah. like who and why? John, there's a reason why the lesson of all of these movies is don't watch these movies. <laughs> don't watch my show. <laughs> Go outside and climb a tree, you fucking nerd. True. And it is because people watch these shows and go, man, that 14-year-old girl is so fucking hot. I wish I could see her asshole. And yeah. then goes to DeviantArt and makes a drawing of them showing their asshole. Sure. Then quarantine that shit in DeviantArt. Don't make it all the toys, too. Like, that's what annoys me. Is like, I understand the idea of, like, using a fictional universe that you like to inhabit as, like, a shortcut to eroticism. But just, like... Just don't make it all the toys. <laughs> Just keep it there where it's fine and I don't have to engage with it. That's fair. 100% fair. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Wunder is going to take its final mission to Antarctica. Uh, Mari and Asuka get in their new fucking plug suits that have like rainbow LEDs in them <laughs> and look rad as hell. Yeah. I want to go to hell a yeah. rave in one of those so bad. Um, uh they, yeah, and they you definitely take... know you're in the last level of the hardest part of Mario Kart when they put on those plug suits. Oh, hell yes. yes. Hell yeah. And they take a, a brief detour to, yeah, say goodbye to Shinji or whatnot. And Mari tells him, like, hey, like, no matter what happens, I'm going to come find you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, Mari... Don't leave. I will find you. Mari also does. Uh, she's trying to be, like, cute. And she runs behind Shinji, puts her hands over his eyes and says, guess who? And Shinji realizes at this point, like, I don't, I don't know your name. We've never actually been introduced. Yeah, he says parachute girl? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she says, like, I'll give you a hint. I'm gorgeous. I have glasses and big boobs. And she's like, I, the parachute girl, I never learned your name, which is awkward because you saved me from second impact and then kind of helped me cause third impact. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> But we've never formally... It's like at the end of Last Jedi, when uh, fucking Poe Dameron gets introduced to uh, Rey. And it's like, oh yeah, those two have gone two whole ass movies without knowing each other's names. Right. (laughs) Uh, And then he's like, she's like, yeah, that's me. Hey, like, again. And she's got like a weird, like, yeah, like crush from afar kind of on Shinji. I don't necessarily read it as uh, as like a romantic crush as much as she's just like she has fun being flirtatious in that way. I don't think that she's genuinely like attracted to Shinji, and we'll get to this later because again, the internet ruins everything. 
Um, but I think that like a lot of people misread this relationship a lot of being like, it's fucking stupid that they get paired off. That's dumb. She's a new character. It should be Asuka. And I just, again, I, I read like a fun flirtation, but like, I don't know, like I've had a lot of friends in my life where it's just like, oh, like that's just like how we joke, you know, that's just like how we interact. But there, but like. If we ever kissed, it would be weird and gross, and neither of us want that. And I just feel like that's what's kind of going on with Shinji and Mari. That's also kind of how I felt about the end of the movie. But we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, So they go to set course for adventure and Antarctica, where adventure lies. Adventure and spears and too many ships. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, so they they arrive at Antarctica, um, and Antarctica is surrounded by a cloud of headless Evangelions just flying around. That is their first shield. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so again, just to to put like a fine point explanation on this, the third impact was going to basically spark the next level of human evolution and it would have created all humans in the image of the person or thing that started that impact so everybody was basically in the process of turning into unit one yes uh but then uh you know kaji stopped the impact so that's why they're all headless and floating around and all the souls are gone. There's no more when there's no more room in earth, the souls will go in a weird fucking sphere thing underground. Yeah, big circle. Isn't that the black moon? Uh yes. <laughs> Correct. You did it. You learned yeah. something. Yeah, so they they fly <laughs> There uh, are minor defenses around, but they just kind of, like, mow through the melange of bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, like, one of the things Mikado says. Is they're like, oh, no, these certain things are going to be there. And she's like, fuck it. We'll just blow right through them. Increase yeah. F thrusters. Yeah. It's it's real good. Uh, so they get through that line of defense, and then Nerve throws a whole bunch of, like, fucking mass-produced Avas right at them. Uh, so much so that they form like a giant vortex cloud at one point. Yes, and so that is when they uh, they send out units, the new unit two and the new unit eight, which is unit eight is like a combination of like eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12. Well, unit eight has specifically been fitted with what's called I think they call it like uh, overlap capabilities. Yes. Where basically it's become the Mega Man of Evangelion units. Whatever it defeats, it eats. And whatever it eats, it takes the powers of. Right. Whereas Unit 2 has turned into War Machine? Correct. From the hit Marvel franchise, Iron Man. It's your favorite character, War Machine. It it is. It's like, it's Unit 2 with like big militarized like super armor around it just like chock full of like guns yeah well what i love about this sequence and i had forgotten how fucking rad the action sequences are in this movie like what stuck in my mind super fucking rad yeah like what stuck in my mind more than anything was like 
the back half of the movie where it gets very introspective and very surreal and very abstract. But I forgot this whole sequence where they basically, they are journeying to the center of the earth by first jumping out and riding World War II era war battleships like surfboards that then break apart. Unit 2 dives first and starts just hammering out mass-produced Avas until the guns on it melt and explode. Then Mari (laughs) just starts throwing down increasingly more amazing and ridiculous weapons. Yeah, first she sends, like, little tiny, like, like knives. Well, she sends a gun that is a knife. Right. And then she sends, like, swords. Then she sends, like, a staff... A staff that, that has, is a buzzsaw yeah, that then, then that, detaches into two hand axes that are buzzsaws. Yeah, yeah, It's super cool. And then when the, yeah, when the vortex of Ava's uh, cannot be defeated by simple firearms or bombs that they fire from the inside of Unit 2, they team up and combine their AT fields to form, like, a super AT field and just, like destroy it all like just like yeah, melt they it literally down. like chew through a cloud of avas with giant cross explosions coming out the other end all over the place yeah yeah now they're like yeah. grinding cool. them is what it looks it's like. so cool yeah. yeah and then they land on nerve the new nerve headquarters on an upside down the empty pyramids down. upside Pyramid. down <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and inside is Unit 13, which has not, as we, as far as we can tell, been awakened yet. Yeah, and their plan is to basically take a, a dummy plug and put it inside Unit 13 so that it can never activate. It's right. been like a specially produced uh, entry plug that fucking becomes the shape of like a Van Helsing vampire cross yes. when they're about to fucking like... <laughs> Bella Lugosi stake the shit out of this Unit 13. And oh, they're going to put like, right into the chest where none of the plugs have ever gone. <laughs> well, yeah. they do, because the, the plugs go in the in kind of like the back, the back and then they like yeah. are into the chest. All right. Okay, Patrick, I need to give you a little anatomy project. <laughs> so this this is a Ava. Oh, okay. he's got his gun plugs. <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to... For my personal beer break. <laughs> that's where the that's where the thing is. Hold it more in the screen. <laughs> Look, it's confusing. Uh so yeah, they basically they um Asuka is in unit the unit thirteen chamber, ready to fucking make this happen. Mari is in unit eight taking care of the mass produced Avas that are with a up whip. there. With a oh, with yes. a whip that has like a lightsaber at the end of it. It's yeah. not a lightsaber whip, but it's no. like if someone tied a lightsaber to a whip. Right. The end of the whip glows and burns and kills. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's just taking out fools left and right and right. center. Uh, and so Asuka tries to, and I wasn't entirely sure what happened here, but Asuka right. jams the Van Helsing cross, or tries to, but yes. the number 13's got its AT field active. No. And I can see why you're confused, because literally nobody explains this. Right, well, Asuka Uh, starts to say, wait, shit, is it my AT field? But I didn't understand what was actually going on. So an AT field emerges and prevents the stake from going into Unit 13. 
An AT field stands for absolute terror field. <laughs> yeah, it does. And what it is, is it's the externalization of humans' fear of each other and other things that are not itself. So that's how the Avas are able to, like, project an AT field when there's a human pilot in. So what's happening here is that Unit 2 is afraid of Unit 13, and so, like, out of instinct, is putting up an AT field. Ah, okay. And that's why she's not able to get through. So this is where we get the reveal of basically what had happened to Asuka, because the last time we saw Asuka in 2.22, she was in Unit 3. Unit 3 got taken over by an angel. Shinji fought kind of the angel they pulled asuka out and they had her in like contamination quarantine because they had no idea if the angel was like still inside of her then we do the 14 year time skip asuka is part of Vilay. she's punching glass she's yelling at shinji she's shoving food in the face but this is where we get the explanation of like the angel is in fact inside of her the reason she has the eye patch is not because she lost an eye but it's because that's where they put in one of those, like, we've seen a lot of these throughout the The, the inhibitor movies. tube. Basically, the inhibitor yeah. Tube. The inhibitor pillar that can basically, like, we've seen large-scale versions of this. This is how they, like, purified Paris. This is how Village 3 is able to keep the, like, big fucking zombie headless Avas from wandering into their fields. Yeah, we totally forgot about the part that, that, that Kensuke shows shinji that they have these like pillars surrounding village three and what they do is they stop he's like yeah shortly after the last like the third impact these headless evangelians started just digging themselves out and wandering around yeah and there's like dozens of them wandering around the horizon yeah yeah and but shinji, the pillars keep them out shinji's all like how come they're coming back to the mall and kensuke's just like i don't know maybe they just remember it from life <laughs> <laughs> then they have a pie fight they do and it's great uh, but this is where, uh, so Asuka says, like, hey, I'm sorry, Unit 2, but, like, we need to do this. I can't let you be afraid right now. She disengages all of the safety protocols inside the Ava, takes out the, like, inhibitor plug from her eye socket, which is fucking metal as hell. Yeah. And she becomes fully, like, human-angel-Ava hybrid. Right. Yes. And then she rips open the AT field and shoves the cross. Yeah. But oh no! It was part of Gendo's plan the whole time. Uh, This allows basically Unit 13 to kind of reach out to Asuka and take her and pull her into Unit 13 like what happened to Rey in Unit 2 in the end of 2.22. She's like brought into physically the, like, angel plane of existence inside of Unit 13. Do we know who this woman is that appears to Asuka and takes her? The yes, one who calls it's her Asuka. Fool? Yeah, it's Asuka. That's specifically, Asuka? specifically, it is the Asuka from the TV series. Yes. Ah, okay. So we find out in this film, a little bit here from now, but we might as well say it, that the Asuka we've been following is a, just like Ray. Like a series of clones, right? I did pick and up so, on that by the end. Yeah, and so this particular Oscar is a clone 
of the Oscar from the original TV series. Okay. Yeah, well, I, kind of. Or it's, yeah. clone reimagining... Because she doesn't look exactly like Asuka, so you're not looking at those two characters in this movie and going like, oh, that's two Oscars." Either that right. or it happened so fast I was too dumb. Yeah. But yeah, that is that is TV series Asuka sort of in a, in a weird, like, angel realm pulling movie Asuka into that realm of existence, trapping gotcha. her inside Unit 13. Okay. Uh, so this is where basically uh, fucking all hell breaks loose and they're like, the the crew of the Wunder is just like, shit, uh, Unit 13 is activating the the Black Moon, which has been this giant fucked up, like, asteroid, basically, splits into two parts and becomes two giant spears. And I guess we have to talk about what the spears are now. Oh no, John, you've been telling us not to talk about these spears. <laughs> it's the same actor. I don't know if it's the same character. <laughs> so this it's, it's the spears of Cassius and Longinus? Correct. Yes. And yes. there's yeah. one is for hope and one is despair. Correct. Uh Gendo's plan is to basically the only thing that can fully stop and impact from happening once it is started is to st- is to throw a spear in it which is why at the end of 2.22 uh uh karu comes down from the moon with a spear and spears unit one to stop the impact the the basic lore behind it is that in the long long ago in the before times uh, there was like a dying race of incredibly powerful beings and their world was dying. So they sent out into the universe, like basically little seeds that would land on planets and hatch new life. But two you seeds. About the engineers from Prometheus? <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, kinda. It's, it's not that far off. Uh, a little more, if you can believe it, Mark, a little more esoteric and difficult to discern the true nature of. <laughs> what? <laughs> and no F- Michael Fassbender. Boo! I know, I know. In Covenant, there's two of them and they kiss. <laughs> I know, it's great and stupid and I love it. Um, Me too! But basically, so the idea is um, two seeds... If they land on the same planet, the the life from both seeds will compete with each other to find out who gets to live on that planet. Each seed has a failsafe, which is a spear. The spear can be used to stop one of them from essentially populating that planet. Two seeds landed on Earth millions of years ago. The seed containing the angels got fucking spearified. And that's why the children of Lilith, the humans, were able to fucking populate the Earth. So the spears that Gendo is making, Gendo is basically constructing new spears that he can take into the, like, angel world, the plane of existence that they exist on, and then use these spears so that he can become the center of instrumentality and wield all the power of a god and reunite with the spirit of his dead wife. Because that's what he's been trying to do this whole ding-dang time. The lengths that men will go to to avoid therapy. Yes. <laughs> and it turns out therapy that human... sucks, John. <laughs> it does! They want you to talk. 
about your feelings. I'll talk about Star Wars all goddamn day. But then my therapist is like, it sounds like you're trying to like deflect from your true nature, your like true emotions right now. And I'm like, no, it's very important that you understand that Count Dooku was getting played the whole time. Darth Sidious lied to him in the same way that he lied to Anakin and that he's a tragic figure, just like Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. And it's a sad tale and he needs to get his due in the expanded universe and some kind of spinoff. And the How only come he doesn't get to be a ghost? And the only avoidance going on is your therapist's avoidance of dealing with those facts. <laughs> exactly. And then my when phone it... calls. <laughs> and in the end, like, it turns out that Human Instrumentality Project in the movie, uh, and also, again, spoilers for the TV show, is to turn all of humanity into one big goo hive mind. Well, uh, we're gonna become yeah. So like, we'll we'll get we'll get to that in due to like we're almost there. We should we so should close. get right. like well, that's what I'm saying. Like that, we're yeah. right there. Yeah, because right now we have like what happens next is like well, well, Gendo, hold on, hold on. Like we're we're gonna yeah. We need to let this section breathe because it's fucking metal and it rules. <laughs> uh, fucking alarms go off on the Wunder. Shinji's door opens and he's just like, all right. It's, I'm, I'm action Shinji now. I'm gonna figure out what's going on. And what's going on is Gendo has just like super saiyan and like landed gently on the bow of the Wunder. Uh, Misato and Ritsuku go out to confront him and he starts doing a villain monologue and Ritsuko shoots him in the head five times. But bad news, he's now a god. Because yeah, he yeah, deployed he's... the key of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, he injected the key of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, yeah, which abandoned his humanity, and he is now kind of like what Asuka had become in the Ava unit. He is now like angel-human hybrid. But what I fucking love how this whole sequence is set up, because the first time watching this, like... It's shown to you like a genuine death sequence. Like, Gendo gets got. He gets shot in the head. He slow motion falls backwards. The music has a very specific music cue. And there is definitely a moment of just like, oh, shit. Like, all bets are off. Ritsuko just killed Gendo, except then cut to Gendo's brains splattered on the ground where it's like oh he's definitely fucking dead those are his goddamn brains but then his hand reaches out in frame he scoops them up and he just puts them back in the back of his head i like that he only scoops up some of his brains (laughs) well he only needed a few pieces and then yeah he takes off his visor and the thing that the visor was covering is that he has no face where the visor is yeah it's yeah, been, you know, like, cut out of his head. It reminds me of... John, Patrick, I'm not sure if you'll be familiar with this, but, John, you probably will be. It reminds me of the X-Men character Chamber. Yes, very who, much so. Who is, like, a Cyclops-type character that he emits, like, concussive, powerful, like, furnace-type blasts. But the first time it happened, it was so powerful, it blew his chest open. Yeah. Like, from the top up <laughs> through the like his lower jaw. So he literally just has, like, a gaping, like, energy-furnished wound nothing. in his yeah. body. Yikes. There is a really good Chamber miniseries from, like, the early 2000s where he solves crimes. <laughs> oh, shit. It's real good. I think it's Brian K. Vaughn. I think Brian oh, K. Vaughn wrote it. 
Uh, but yeah, so uh, Gendo is just like, hey, I'm I'm uh, Angel God now, and then shoots fucking energy blasts out of the hole in his face. <laughs> yeah. And then he flies up and goes into Unit 13. Unit 13. Yeah. yeah. And it's at this point that watching it for the first time, I turned to my wife and I just said, oh no, this movie, oh no, is it going to get real bad? Is Because like, this is the like fan fictioniest thing that a movie could do of just like now the very normal it, it would be like if fucking riddler in the batman movies somehow got the infinity stones from the marvel universe and is like now i'm the most powerful batman but it was the frank gorshin riddler from yeah. batman <laughs> the tv show the riddler the riddler that wears a full question mark onesie but still loafers <laughs> correct Yes, for comfort. And, like, I was really worried of just, like, shit, this is going to be... They're going to have, like, a fucking energy, like, blast. Like, Shinji's going to somehow find a way to shoot energy out of his head. This is going to get dumb. Well, it's kind of interesting, like, so if you... Especially when you compare this to the end of the TV series and end of Evangelion, which does not end in a very traditional, like punch him up like giant robot v giant robot the movie's like all right guys i get it you want your giant robot versus giant robot because shinji comes out and he's like i'm gonna pilot fucking ava and i'm gonna do this and they're like all right shinji this is where we get into the melodramatic scene that i was alluding to earlier that it it plays so much better in a foreign language than it does in a relatively poorly directed voiceover dub yeah well it's I a mean, tough spot though because it's it's not very well written either though correct yeah well it's and again not, i i wonder if how much of this is getting because japanese is a very terse language like very small words contain very like big complicated meanings so to try to like get close to that in an english language that is like very long and protracted and syllable heavy while still trying to fit in that small of a space. Like, I get it. It's a fucking miracle that anything gets translated, let alone localized. It is like a mutant power. It is an omega-level mutant power that any human is able to do that. But they really should have given this scene a little more effort. Because it is, we get Bubblegum Lady comes out and is just like, Misato, you gave us orders to shoot to kill if Shinji tries to pilot an Ava. I got a gun. He's going to pilot an Ava. I'm going to shoot to kill because my fucking family died. And then Toji's daughter shows up and she's like, nah, fuck that. I told him (laughs) not to pilot another Ava. He did. It almost destroyed the world. So I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. Yep. And I she mean, it's does. A goofy on the premise. It's goofy, so I don't. I don't think there's yeah. a lot you can do to clean this scene up. It's fine. I don't mind it. I thought it was fine. She fires. Masato takes the shot for Shinji, and she's like, "Look, this is all my fault. I'm the one who told Shinji to make his wish come true when he started that other impact. This is all on me. Yeah, I have to take responsibility for this. All of our hopes and dreams now lie on Shinji Ikari, and Shinji's like." Yeah, man, I'm ready to do this. Like, yeah, there was. <laughs> I had roll. the first time I saw this. I think I audibly gasped when Shinji was just like, "Yeah, it's okay. I got this." Yeah, it's because that the- is such a like 
powerful moment of growth from like yes very like he has depression but it is and it's a very inward and very selfish depression it is a very like nobody else's feelings are anywhere near as big and important as mine are right now and forever and to have that character suddenly just be like oh i get it like other people exist and i can do and like i got it I got this, guys. Don't worry. And, like, almost everything he does from here on out, he does with, like, kind of a smirk. He's just like, yeah, I got this figured out. I got it. Yeah. I, I figured it out finally. Yeah, he is, in a way, in good that... shape. I would say that Patrick's problem, winding up. The problem with this, though, is it, it doesn't feel like Shinji actually grew into anything because he's not, at least in the English translation of it, he's not, like, serious about the responsibilities he has. He's almost casual. And what it seems like he has understood is his role as Messiah and not his role as necessary pilot of the Ava, or that there's any gravity to how he could totally get killed and it could all be over. Like, he so, no longer understands that he that his possibility of failure could lead to the apocalypse. It's that, ah, fuck it. I'm, like, the fucking hero of this shit. See, I disagree. I don't think that it comes from a place of hubris. I don't think that it comes from a place of him feeling like he's powerful because as we see like in the next few sequences like he's on the back foot also through he's a lot the of the back rest of the movie. when he starts getting his ass kicked by his dad, yeah. but his whole interchange immediately after this with Mari where she's like telling him all of the important stuff that an idiot like him would need to know and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, sure." No, That's but like hubris. He, I don't think that she's like giving him instructions. She's just saying like all right, here's the plan. And he's saying like, yeah, no, I know. I, I understand what needs to be done and we're going to go do it. I think that Shinji has become comfortable in, I think Shinji, but for when he sh- goes into the, uh, when he goes into like the angel world, basically he thinks I'm not coming out of this. Like, this is it for me. I am done. So this is what I'm going to do is I'm not only going to, stop the impact from happening at by doing the most difficult thing for me to do which is talk to my shitty dad <laughs> but i'm really? also going to make sure that asuka because the thing that mari says is like hey asuka might still be in there if you have the opportunity get her out of there and he's like yeah obviously i'm gonna do that like that's it's not a i think mari is talking to him as if he's still the shinji who is kind of shitty and stuck inside of himself. And that is more of a show of just like, no, I understand, Mari. There are more things at stake than just me and my feelings. You don't need to, like, tell me this. I got it. Let's go and do it. But if Shinji was a real grown-up and had learned any of the things that he should have learned over the course of these movies, I think that he has to take and be considerably more attentive to all of these people who are clearly demonstrably better than him at everything, considerably more seriously. And I think to be instead fair, he's just like, no, no, I know what the plot of this movie's going to be. I'm on To the be case. fair, in Shinji's defense, he's not a grown-up. He's still 14 years old. Yeah, but, that's I mean, true. We're talking about him acting as if he's grown, and he hasn't. He's certainly grown. He has not grown up, necessarily, but he is very 
very, very far from where he even started this movie at this point. Like, he's definitely... And again, I don't know how much of this is me bringing in the baggage of having lived with this character when I saw the series. And this movie, more so than any of the other movies, is in very direct conversation with the rest of the franchise in a way that, like, the Matrix sequel is. Where, like, yeah, I will say that, Patrick. I think John and I are coming at it from a slightly different point of view, having seen, seen all of the shows. Ava sure. leading up to it, especially knowing that the like bananas, cuckoo, meadow, weird ending of the show and the end of Evangelion film, that this movie like kind of like, again, yeah, is in conversation with pushes back against, embraces at the same time, kind of has its cake and eats it too. Yeah, I guess it just, it's a fundamental, I think Patrick and I have a fundamentally different read on who Shinji is. And I think a lot of that will inform the, like, understanding the attitude that Shinji is coming to this in. Because I don't read arrogance I read a serenity of just like, what's going to happen is going to happen, and I'm going to do my best to just save everybody, and there's no use in me getting, like, shitty or whiny about it. Like, every other time Shinji has had to get in the Ava, he's either been forced into the Ava, or he has been, like, screaming to be put in the Ava. And so this is a very markedly, like... I understand. I understand what it actually means to have this responsibility, and I'm actually I'm like equipped and prepared to take that on. I definitely expected him to be considerably more obnoxious than he was in these <laughs> moments. However, I didn't feel like yeah. uh, he had earned. I do agree with you that that's kind of what they're trying to express, but I don't think he'd actually earned those things. Sure, and you're allowed to be wrong and stupid and bad and evil forever. <laughs> so anyways, oh, uh, anyways, Shinji Shinji says, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pilot the Ava, let's go. Mari again, like kinda runs through all the thing, kinda reiterates like, hey, no matter what happens, I'm coming for you. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna come he's like, Cool, no problem, but like, don't worry about it. Homie's got this. Yeah. And they go into the, is it the anti-reality? So, yeah. uh, Basically, Gendo has ripped out Unit 1 from, like, the core of the Wunder so that the Wunder is no longer able to be, like, powered up. There's also fucking, like, four other Wunder-esque ships under the command of Nerve that are ready to just, like blow Wunder out of the sky if it tries to one fucking them, do anything. Yeah, one of them actually uh, impales itself through the Wunder yeah. at some point, which we totally missed the part where they're like the giant aerial battle. Have we skipped yeah. to the part where Mari meets Futsuki and she gets called That's coming up. Okay, that, we yeah, that's, that's yeah. super coming up. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Gendo rips Unit 1 out of the Wunder. Shinji goes into Unit 8 and then through Unit 8 goes into Unit 1. And Unit 1 has original, original Ray inside of it from the events of 2.22. And she's, I again, I really fucking love this design. It's a very striking image of like, 
It's kind of like uh, when uh, Mr. Burns gets the casino in the Simpsons episode and he lets his <laughs> hair and his nails grow when out. When he goes full Howard Hughes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except it's with Ray. Uh, and Ray, and, and she just, she turns to Shinji with this look because she has essentially been like, quote unquote, piloting Unit 1 this whole time. And she just looks at him of just like, fucking please let me stop. <laughs> This is real hard. I'm real done. And she says something along the lines of like, I just wanted to make it so you never have to pilot an Ava again. Right. Yeah, because the whole thing at the end of of 2.22 is the reason that she got in the Ava was so that because Shinji quit nerve and walked away and was done. And she's like, "Okay, well, then I'll take the responsibility. Uh, And this is where Shinji's just like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm going to fix this. It's going to be good. Uh, and then this is where Mari goes to see uh, Futsuke, who is the, like, second-in-command of Nerve. Shit gets revealed. Yeah. Futsuke's whole <laughs> thing is just standing around while Gendo's plan takes shape, and him going, Gendo's plan is taking shape, yep. just like he said it would. Well, and you I don't know see... how I feel about this, but yeah. I'm here now. You can <laughs> definitely see him pushing back a little bit of just, like... You sure you want to use your kid to do this, buddy? That that seems like, okay. Uh, and this is where Mari and Futsuke have a conversation where, holy shit, they've been in cahoots this whole time. Because Futsuke yeah. is just like, all right, Mari, I've arranged everything just like you needed. I got all the pieces in place like you wanted. Fucking let's make this happen. And it's revealed that Mari is actually the other person in the only known photograph of Shinji's mom in existence, which is Yui, Shinji's mom, Gendo Futsuke, and with her back, like, to the camera, Mari. So she's, like, part of that original group. When they were doing their fucked up Ava experiments, she got the curse of Ava, just like all the other pilots did, and stopped aging. So she's, like college age she's like closer to like in japan that would be closer to like 17 18 because of the way the the like school system works so she's a little bit older but like she is stuck in that like child's body so what you're saying is it's okay to see her butt (laughs) oh no No, what I'm saying is fucking one of these goddamn toy stories needs to get uh uh No, god damn it. This is going to get edited out of context if we had any listeners. Uh no, I just there's a <laughs> there's a real cool fucking model kit of Ava Unit 8 and it's been sold out forever and I'm real salty about it. Uh but yeah, this is so this is maybe one of you might know this better than me, but she reveals her true name, which is some fucking Bible thing that I don't know Mari nothing about. Iscariot is what uh, yes. Fusuke calls her. Iscariot is the last name given to Judas. Judas Iscariot. Gotcha. Um, so All right. it's interesting because it, that would, the implication there is that Mari was at one time considerably closer to Gendo than uh, we have seen in the rebuild movies. Like I yeah. found that very odd because uh, it implies an incredibly intimate betrayal. Well, and I think we sort of see flashes of that when Gendo's going through his whole villain backstory. Like, 
It's sure. actually Mari who, like, is the first person to actually, like, make contact with Gendo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to that it in, is... the, in due yeah. time. Yeah, we're about and to so... have the big clip show of where everybody came from. The origin story <laughs> clip show. <laughs> but first, so Shinji gets in Unit 1, and it, it, and, like, again, this seems like a, like, a, hey, people who thought that the ending of the show and end of Evangelion weren't like cool enough. If you, you thought it was maybe like, a, like maybe let you down a little bit. Here it is. Gendo versus Shinji, the battle to end all battles. And it's unit one versus unit 13. And we're in the city and they're going to fuck. And it's awesome because unit one like shows up in the city. Like he usually does. And unit. Yeah, it's actually team... like reanimated of like the first time unit one activated right, in up. the first angel attack that we yeah. see. And it's well, awesome because Unit 13 is literally, like, leaning against a building, like, yeah, it's just hey, like, kid, what? let's hang out. Yeah. Well, now we're, like, down the memory hole. So, like, they will fight in all of the sets of previous levels they have defeated. Yeah. And they're so literally they're in... sets. Yeah, yeah, they are definitely sets. Because you see, they're like... like, in that first fight, there are buildings in Tokyo that, instead of collapsing, actually slide when they're pushed. Yeah. Well, and like unit They're one gets like shoved into against the like the the drape that the, yeah, the sky drop is painted cloth. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. The drop it's like a, of the it sky. takes place in like a Truman Show set yeah. kind of thing, and then it, the sets keep changing. And like as they fight, they keep they fight throughout the city. They fight in the classroom. They fight in the yeah. Hospital I love how room. scale they fight in means Ray's, like bedroom from yes. the first show. They fight like, all over the place. Scale means nothing. Like, no. they fit where... They are constantly the same size on the screen. Yeah. But, like, yeah, they'll fight in the in the 2A classroom as if it is the cityscape. And then they just, like, bang together and explode. But they because got that what... mirror link fight problem where they're all yeah. doing the same moves and they all have the same counters. Yeah. Well, Patrick, you have to understand, they're fighting in the anti-universe, you the un-universe, they're on that whatever it is. Stick that John told there's me all... meant that no rules applied. Yeah, and there's also the this is the uh there's also the imaginary Ava. The yeah. Ava that they've only thought might exist, which is like yes. a giant Ray Ayanami head with detached hands and detached like feet and then like a detached naked lady body. Yeah. And then also millions of other naked girl bodies like soaring throughout the anti-cosmos i'm pretty sure that don't you fight that the imaginary ava at the end of uh super smash brothers yeah correct the the mr hand yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. you fight two of them in in brawl because you get the right and the left oh yeah that's right that's right but yeah and uh it's it's the the giant ray is also it is primarily 2d animated but they have a motion-captured performance of a live-action person's face that has been desaturated. So it is stark black and stark white, kind of like imposed onto this. It is a very profoundly unreal-looking creature. It's a decidedly unsettling effect. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, yeah, one I of the characters when they put the when you cl- you could clearly tell that they had enhanced their animation with uh, CGI, and it, yeah. it usually looks at least, if not good, very interesting. Yeah, uh, I, what I love is as this giant uh, like embodiment is has come into the like impact crater of the second impact, 
uh, bubblegum wonder uh, technician is just yelling, this is real weird. <laughs> and then the eye of Ray gets like in the window and like looks directly at her and just like, this is really weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I did like that. Wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> well, she is the, I feel like she's the audience surrogate for people who watched the original Neon Gen- Genesis Evangelion finale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're in the anti-universe. Uh, they, they they do see uh, the Golgotha object, mm-hmm. where yes. it's just like, this is basically the thing that is inside of the seeds, that this is where the spears had come from into our world. It's in a realm of imagination, which again is like a textural thing of just like, look, nerds. None of this is real. Even in universe, none of this is real. Stop obsessing over like plot details and perfect like uh like one to two to three plotting and just like fucking get the story. I love at one point Gendo's like, look, we can like why are we fighting? Fighting's not gonna solve anything. That we're just like do whatever, and Shinji's like, okay. Let's talk. And then they just go into his office. And he's like, I've come to talk to you, dad. Yeah. (laughs) They come into his office. His dad is just basically like, look, here's the thing. I don't like people. Like, my entire life, I have just, (laughs) I don't like people. Gendo's origin story is, I was a shitty teenager. Then I met a girl who liked me. Then I was okay. Then she died. And then I became a shitty teenager as an adult. Yeah, well, yeah. it's it's the Shinji origin story, but without ever, like, actualizing. Without ever, like, understanding that other people are real and valid. It's, it's basically, like, incel culture. Like, right. he is... He is kind of taking the black pill in this of like i can't be happy because the one person that was supposed to make me happy is gone now so i'm gonna kill myself and everyone in the fucking world so i can be back together with this person you may see that he's a bad guy he's a villain he's no good this is a bad guy plot and what follows is there's not, from here on out there's two kind of separate things that happen on the Wunder, they are decided they're going to turn the, like, angel spine that powers the Wonder into a, yet another spear to fire it into the anti-universe and the imaginary Ava to, like, stop this further awakening from happening. Yeah, kind of like what, what Karu did of, like, putting the spear in Unit yes. 1 when it awoken. They're going to put a spear in fucking giant, weird, disembodied, headless ray angel. Meanwhile, Shinji and Gendo are locked in a weird meta-philosophical well, mindscape battle. They literally go into Shinji's sadness train. Uh, they keep, like, swapping who is an adult and who is a child. And, like, and how old they like, yeah. how childish they are. Because Shinji yeah. de-ages several times. Yeah, well, well and, yeah, there'll and, be like, things of, like, child Shinji talking to grown-up Gendo and, like normal age Shinji talking to like baby Gendo like it is again like time and space have become unmoored and Uh, and after Shinji Shinji like in essence makes peace with his dad 
And then, like, Kaoru shows up, and he's well, like... Well, not only does he make peace with his dad for himself, but, like, his dad basically recants the story of just, like, I always wanted to be alone. I didn't like other people. Then when I was in college, I met Professor uh, Futsuke and Yui and Mari, and, like, I understood that, like, other people are okay, and they can be a source of, like, comfort and passion and joy, but then... Uh, once we had Shinji, they, it's again, left unsaid, but you can sort of piece together that Yui and Gendo and Futsuke and Mari got caught up in Sele at this point, And they're doing like fucking weirdo angel experiments in one of the weirdo angel experiments. Yui gets like absorbed into the angel world, which is why Gendo feels specifically like specifically unit one. Specifically Unit 1, exactly. And this, this is why Gendo's just like, even if I die, I still won't be with Yui because she is forever trapped in Unit 1. So I need to bring about the final impact, which dissolves everybody and everything into one single organism. And that's the only way that I can be back with Yui. Uh, and Shinji's just like, ah, that's... Nah... Yeah. But nah, though. Uh, and this, again, like, after having the baggage of, like, the TV show and, like, living with these characters for so long, we see the scene of Gendo leaving Shinji at the train station that we have, like, flashed back to multiple times throughout the, the series and throughout the films. Uh, and he's explaining, like, I knew a sacrifice had to be made. I thought if I sacrificed my relationship to my son, that would be enough to, like, appease... Sele and to appease the angels and to appease gods so that I could just be like a perfect machine focused on this one objective and not have to worry about anything else. But as Gendo is leaving the train station, he turns around and he's like, ah, oh, I done, I done goofed. This was a big old dumb goof. And he turns around and he like kneels down and hugs Shinji as a oh god and it has killed patrick yet again he's overcome with emotions <laughs> patrick needs to stop resting his phone on an empty beer can. <laughs> it's true it really do it's dangerous and yeah like it's it's a for for me it's it's i'm a, i'm always a sucker for bad guy like he literally apologizes to shinji and he's like nah you're right i suck I'm going to get off the sadness train. It's up to you now. You you figure out this impact. I'm, I'm gone. Well, Peace like out. Well, there's like an element yeah. of like he realizes that, uh, or at least they want us to believe that he realizes that his conduit to Yui this whole time was actually Shinji. And when he forgives Shinji, he gets this glimpse of Yui before he sort of gives up the ghost. Yeah, so Yui in this sense is is more like, an abstraction of like the warm loving feeling that he could find in other people. He thought he could only ever find it in Yui. And then he's like, Oh shit, I could have had a relationship with my son. Yeah. Ah, well, oh, it's well. my stop on the sadness train. Yeah. And that's then... the lesson for me is sometimes the Yui's were in the Shinji's the whole time. And, and then, then she bails the fuck out and Kaoru shows up. Yeah, yeah, Kaoru shows up, and Shinji has, again, another thing with Kaoru, uh, and then he has one with, with Asuka. Well, yeah, the thing with Kaoru is basically, like, Kaoru is just like, I just wanted to make you happy, 
and through the same process that he has with Gendo comes to the realization of like, that's kind of fucked up. Like, you were so focused on making me happy so that it would make you happy. And like, that's also not how relationships work. It's like the inverse of Gendo's problem of just like, Plus also you're being like, too available. Yeah. Also, Kaoru's like, by the way, this will happen over and over and over again. We're in a pattern destined to repeat itself. Yeah, that was yeah. interesting that Karu's he's like sitting in the big chain of Karu coffins. He's like, we're going to do it again. Yeah, which plays into like the idea that like the original series happened and that this is all a story that repeats itself. That right. This is just a new iteration of that loop, but this time they find a way to break it at the end. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's and so yeah, Karu's just like, oh shit, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, we learn that Karu and Kaji had also been like working together to try to like subvert Nerves and Sele's plans. Yeah, there's for all sorts of like, there's all sorts of like behind the scenes like. <laughs> like dealings and wheelings and dealings that we just that the movie all of a sudden is like by the way all these things were happening the entire time just <laughs> yeah, so you right. know yeah yeah again i i i said it about 3.33 i i love this in the same way that like watching twin peaks is just like oh no this all makes perfect sense but like i don't care if you get it not in like an arrogant way, but in a way of just like I, I just love a dispassionate universe in in pop culture. Like I hate on Star Trek, so many things exist to be explained to the audience. I just really like the fucking balls of just like, yeah, this shit was happening. What you didn't get it? Because it's all right. Well, fucking moving on. Like go look up a wiki when you're done. I, it's not my job to explain this to you. I think this is why I think this is why you liked the you you loved the new Matrix movie, isn't it? I did thoroughly enjoy the new Matrix movie. I did movie. too. I did too. I liked but it it's a, a whole bunch. It is it is a movie that ve- like it's very much like, hey, I know you loved that first Matrix movie and we're probably pretty lukewarm on the Matrix sequels. Well guess what? Those are the most important movies the whole time. I Whoa, do love God. I do love <laughs> oh, so much how a pivotal character in the new matrix movie is all right remember when he was stuck in the train platform at the beginning of three remember the train man okay the programs that the train man was like in conflict with remember those two okay the daughter those two programs had Is now like the maybe the third most important character in the movie. Yes. Yeah, no, fucking fucking loved it. There's oh, a so scene good. I I really loved it as well. There's a scene where the Merovingian shows up, and he is now like he's a, like a rat king. He's like he's Dennis a, Leary and Demolition Man. He's like this homeless program <laughs> with like a big rat beard and wearing rags, and all he does is scream about how sequels and reboots are bad while Neo fights guys, <laughs> and it's awesome. Well, he's basically like the Peter Bogdanovich, rest in peace, of yes. this movie of just like. We used to have conversations. We used to have characters. We used to mean something. <laughs> but also, fuck Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah, that dude also kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, I mean, when you groom the younger sister of your affair partner who got murdered because you were having an affair with her. Yeah. It's pretty gross. That's gross. And yeah, there's... 
There's ascots too. That doesn't help your case. Also true. Also, I don't care for the cat's meow. (laughs) Nah, he didn't make a good movie. Uh, Like, What's Up, Doc? Was the last, like, watchable thing that dude ever fucking made. Right. Um, Yeah, so Karu basically gets his therapy session. He boogies out. Shinji's just like, feel like I'm forgetting. Getting something. Ah, shit, Asuka, I gotta go rescue an Asuka. I'll be, I'll be right back, Sadness yeah. Train. Gotta go tell her that he liked her too at once upon a time. So yeah, and again, this like is another... Her doing like Rocky stuff where she's training it up in the cold, cold snow. Yeah, we get a flashback of kind of like her life experience, which is every other clone in her program died except for her. Because she cut herself off from everyone else and just focused on being a good Ava pilot, and that was it. Uh, I do like the scene where Gendo, Yui, and little baby Shinji arrive at the German outpost to, like, get a status update. And they put Shinji in, like, a little baby tuxedo, and he (laughs) fucking hates it. (laughs) Because that is so goddamn true. I used to work at a photo booth at an amusement park, and, like... Don't make your babies wear anything. It's <laughs> stupid. They hate babies it. Babies hate suits. Oh, they hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Babies but- want their genitals out and open, <laughs> and they want to play with them in front of everybody. And it's fine. It's a baby. I don't care. It doesn't Look, have as a, decorum. As a, as, a, as a human being who still works in a tourist destination, babies love to get naked and will do anything they can to get naked as quickly as possible, which is 100% the reason why parents keep an eye on their kids. It's not to keep them safe. It's to stop them from ripping their clothes off and losing them because they want to get naked as soon as possible. That is how they are most comfortable. They don't like these strips of fabric you put upon them. They are constricting. They hate it. Yeah, but yeah, I I have a. They also like to run in circles a lot. True, because they just have so much energy, and they don't have a job or school or anything. They don't have hobbies. They have nothing. They suck, and I fuck children. They're bad. (laughs) Children are dumb. Oh, they're the worst. Come back to me when you can read a fucking book that doesn't have pictures in it. You idiot. You absolute rube. But yeah, like so anyways, I do, I love the the animation of Shinji like fucking hating this little baby suit. I thought was real, real good, and, and Gendo just seeing, having no idea how to handle the situation. But then also seeing young Asuka being like, like seeing it and being like, idiot. Right. Yeah, like from literally the first time they met each other, she's just like, what a fucking dick, what an asshole. That's no good. Um, but yeah, she's just like, well, now like. I don't know what I am without being an Ava pilot. Uh, the whole time, frequently throughout the movies, she's been talking to like this little hand puppet as like, like her little imaginary friend, basically. And that hand puppet has now become like a mascot costume in her dream world. And the mascot takes its head off and it's Kensuke. And he's just like, look, I lived with you for a while. You're like a whole person. Don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. Just like be who you are. It's cool. And she's like, right on. Kensuke wearing a mascot uniform of the externalization of my need for validation. (laughs) Thanks for validating me, I guess. What a guy. Uh, But this allows her to get pulled out of Unit 13, so she's back in, like, the the real world for grown-ups. 
No more fucking baby suits in this world, you idiots. Uh, but there's one last person left to deal with. But before we deal with that person, we gotta talk about that Wunderspear. Mark, tell us about this Wunderspear. So they basically, like, tear the ship apart from the inside to expose the spine of the angel that they built the ship around. They pull that spinal cord out like it's a fucking bike chain, and <laughs> Jesus Christ, that makes me, like, wince. It's, it, there's, a, there's an element of, like, like, body horror to it, but they eventually fire this spear uh, towards the giant like head of the, the yeah they they evacuate all the personnel into on the, the wonder yeah, into the right into her face yeah of, the uh, imaginary Ava right and the spear this is the spear uh what was the spear of I don't remember what this was the spear of Gaia it's Gaia yes thank the you Earth spear. Yeah, yeah 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 I took the movie's message to heart and just like I don't fucking care what anything's called just fucking ram that ship into that giant angel this is rules. Uh, yeah, and I love it because she is, uh, Misato is piloting the ship, uh, and it is ramming at full speed into the fucking eyeball, like it smashes against the iris and keeps pushing through of the giant ray angel, while Ode to Joy is playing in the score. <laughs> yeah. oh, and then the fucking wonder explodes. Oh, and it so turns good. into the spear itself. And the spear, like, passes through. Yeah, it, it gives Shinji, basically, the spear in the Angel anti-universe, which will allow him to, like, make his wish come true, is how they have phrased it. But it'll allow him to be, like, the center of instrumentality and determine what instrumentality does. Yeah, and there's a moment here during the scene where, like... And again, like, during these fights, like, there's a part where he's, like, they're clearly on sets. We see him, like, knocked through walls onto the back lot of a set where there's cameras on the ground. Mm -hmm. There's lighting rigs. There's ladders and shit. And Shinji very clearly says when he's got this spear, I'm going to create a world where there's never been an Ava. Well, uh Kind and then the, of. He says and, he's going to create a world without Ava's. Yes. He very specifically says, I'm not going to, like, rewrite anything. I'm not going to change anything that has happened in the past. Like, I'm just going to make it so that there are no more Ava's from this point onward. Right. And then... Uh, but they... before I can do that, there's one more person I gotta have a therapy session with, and that's Original Ray. Yes. Ray's Ori original, famous original, famous <laughs> original Ray's, Ray's original famous. Uh, so yes, he has a, a one final sit down with, with, with Ayanami. Um, yeah, and this is where he explains, like, this is what I'm going to do. They are actually animated inside of the motion capture soundstage that they used to film portions of this movie. Right. Like, it cuts to those weird fucking cameras that have PlayStation 4 controllers attached to them. Yep. <laughs> those are the, like, motion control cameras that they use to, like, film a lot of the sequences with in this movie. So they are, like... In the place where they created the movie, having a conversation about basically what the movie is about, which is like, let's live in a world without Ava's. We don't have to erase them. We don't have to like completely get rid of like our memories of them. They're, they're, but like from now on, let's just like 
live our lives. And Ray yes. is just like, Ray, who is, again, long hair and holding a fucking, like, weird mannequin baby. Yeah, it's real, real weird. Yes, and then she's like, yeah, that sounds, like, really good. And then as Shinji starts to leave, he's like, bye, Ray. And she's like, mm, am I? And he's like, oh, shit, you were my mom the whole time. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, basically Shinji's plan at this point is he's going to, inside of Unit 1, he is going to put the spear inside of Unit 1, which will like make the instrumentality happen, but it will sacrifice him in the process when, oh no, Unit 13 comes up behind him, and literally like the soul of his mother pushes him out of Unit 1. Unit 13 now has Gendo in Gendo's soul inside of it. Unit one has Yui's soul inside of it. And this is where Shinji realizes what his dad was trying to do the whole time of just like, oh, you couldn't say goodbye to Yui because she's her soul was literally trapped in here. By putting the spear through both Unit 1 and Unit 13, they'll be able to actually finally be together. Bye. Right. I'll be on a beach. And they and they do that, and then Shinji wakes up on a beach, uh, and then it Briefly, devolves. and then he goes to the aha, take me on, take on yeah. me beach. It devolves yeah, so into, like, hand, like, it devolves into, like, animatic, basically. Well, it goes through each stage of animation. So yeah. at first it's, like, full-color animation, then it goes into animatic, then it goes into pencil test, then it goes into storyboards. Then it just starts going into just, like, lines. It starts losing a step of yeah. drawing, basically. Each each time a wave crests and comes back, it becomes less and less of a piece of animation. Yes. And then Unit 8 shows up in this world, and Mari's like, I told you I was coming to get you, dude. She jumps out of Unit 8 and, like, lands in the water, and then we're back into regular animation land. Right. And she gets out of the water, and they're, like, together now. Yep. And then it... Is that when it goes to... This is when it it hard cuts to... the train station. Yeah. Yeah. It hard cuts to the most realistically painted... She says, like, yeah, sorry I'm late. She says, sorry I'm late... Hard cut to train station. Yeah, and it is the most realistically, like, painted train station. Like, it's unclear at first if it's a piece of live action or a drawing. Like, it's so incredibly finely painted and detailed. And it looks like it's, like, oil painted as well the the actual train station mm-hmm. yeah so it which is unlike any other animation we've seen in the movie and it definitely takes a while at least for me to like understand if this was like what this is that i'm looking at you know well i think then, it's a really cool effect yeah and then we see like like on one side of the stop like we it's don't see Shinji their faces. And, Mari, and then on the other side of the stop, it's very clearly I and well, it's Ray and Kaoru. And uh, supposedly, I think the wiki says that Asuka is supposed to be the third person over there. Yeah, Asuka's on the train station platform. Ayanami or uh, Ray and Kaoru are on the. Like, all of the other pilots are on that train station, mm-hmm. but they're, like, in their 20s. 
Yeah. Right. They're the ages that they should be if the time skip hadn't frozen their bodies. You know, they right. have physically aged 14 years. And yeah. Shinji is like sitting there and again, he gets like the fingers in front of his face. Glasses, big boobs. Yeah. Glasses, well, big she boobs. says, guess who? And he says, I don't know, a gorgeous girl with glasses and big boobs. And she's like, ah, you got me. Uh, Shinji is still wearing the like bomb suicide squad collar. And she's like, well, we can take this off now that you've like completed your mission. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's fun to see them having a like fun conversation with each other. You know, they're like, they're kind of teasing each other a little bit as adults. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, it is a very like mature kind of banter it's like something that you would see in like a romantic comedy yeah and then shinji says come on let's go and they run up they race up the stairs uh, and then we pan up to the real world (laughs) 7-eleven yeah the we see a drone shot of the train station as an animated shinji and mari run out of the train station which patrick you know what that means Shinji's in our world now. There's no stopping him. He's right behind yeah. you. It's like when Homer went through the uh, the weird gravity well. Yeah, he's going to stop at the erotic cakes. Yeah. It's some real it's some real cool world shit. Yeah. yeah. They got to get to the uh, spike in Las Vegas. <laughs> I did really like though, like they're panning up from the train station and I was like, I think they just switched to live action. Hey, that's a 7-Eleven. <laughs> Yeah. Well, again, like, because that jarring effect of, like, how well the train station had been painted, again, when they cut to the drone shot, it does sort of take a little bit to recalibrate of just, like, oh, this is live action. Oh, but Shinji and Mari are still, like, animated elements in it. I think it's a real fucking cool shot, and it's a banger of a soundtrack song that kicks in. Uh, So that is the, the end of neon of the rebuild of evangelion series and also of evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01 thrice upon a time and that is going to take us to bullet points get to the robot shinji i don't want to <laughs> bullet points and the very first bullet point is body count Body count. Patrick, what do you think the body count of Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01 thrice upon a time is? I think it's like... I mean, technically, I think it's supposed to be zero because everybody comes back at the end. Sure, okay. John, body count? Well, they do kill everybody on the planet, but then they do put all the souls back. Back. It's a hard call. Uh, but Yui and Gendo are definitely still in that, like, anti-universe. And Futsuke absolutely turned into a puddle. But if so, if they made it so that there were no Avas, do they not come back to life too? I mean, they didn't show us them coming back to life, but I was wondering about that. I think, again, I think it is kind of like uh, the TV show Lost, of, like, everything <laughs> that happened still happen okay we just are where we are now all right so i think that like yui and gendo are in that anti-universe like i don't think it's like the thanos snap i don't think you like do it and then undo it i think you take all the souls away and then whatever souls aren't like 
stuck inside of Ava's get put like back to where they <laughs> okay. were. Right so I'm going to say that's like a solid three. four. I'm going to say four because uh, Misato definitely got exploded up yeah. in the wonder. She does die. But uh, also everyone, but also no one, but also that's the Golgotha object. None of this is real. True. Playing by prices, right? Rules. <laughs> Nobody wins because, again, <laughs> nothing matters. <laughs> Thanks, Golgotha object. <laughs> Next time, won't you send me another shit demon, please? <laughs> That's going to take us to our next bullet point. Best kill. Best kill! John, what do you think the best kill of Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01 thrice upon a time is? Well, now, gentlemen, let's define our terms. I know, right? <laughs> Literally, I'm going to say anything that blows up or dies. Anything, at any point. Man, I mean, I super like uh, fucking Unit 2 turning into, like, a being of pure light and energy and then just fucking exploding. That's rad yeah. as hell. It is. I agree. Patrick, best kill. I'm going to take anything that Asuka killed while she had the staff that had the two motorcycle wheels on either end that were like studded. Hell yeah. In the big like falling it. sequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, best kill. Uh, I am going to go with uh, them jamming the uh, Eiffel Tower into the tank gun oh, and having yeah. it backfire. That was pretty cool. That was yeah. a good one. Hell yeah. Uh, next bullet point. Mm, you know, we've been doing war crimes this whole time. <laughs> I think we've covered a lot. So let's do best weapon. Best weapon. Patrick, best weapon. Uh, definitely the previously mentioned staff with the motorcycle yeah. wheels on either end. With the I should have known that was going to happen. You can also unscrew it and then have two like short sticks with motorcycle wheels that are studded. That's true. John, best weapon? The human mind. Whoa. Boom. Holy shit. But actually, uh, yeah, no, Gendo putting the key of Nebuchadnezzar all up in his fucking head so he could just shoot goddamn, like, laser blasts out of the hole in his face. Fucking everything cool. about that is rad as hell. Yeah. Uh, Mark, best weapon. Uh, I'm going to go with the Unit 8 in general because the Unit 8's whole ability seems to be I am an ar a moving arsenal and just like throws all of those weapons at him. I got a gun over here. I got a knife over here. Here's an axe. Here's some buzz saws. I got a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. And I love that tactically it is hot pink. Yep. Yeah. Tactically, tactically hot pink. Yes. <laughs> Correct. All right. It's going to take us to our final bullet point. Is this an action movie? Is this an action movie? Patrick, is this an action movie? You know, on this one, I'm going no. I felt mm. like there was just entirely too much other stuff, even though the action sequences are actually the best parts of the movie, hands down. And they're really well done. John, is this an action movie? Uh, yeah, that's a really tough call, because the movie itself very clearly oscillates between action and... And, like, very decidedly not action and never sure. the twain shall meet. Mm -hmm. um, 
And again, it's it's really it is also like super refreshing to see ostensibly an action movie that doesn't adhere to like the fucking Robert McKee three act structure, action beat every ten pages. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. Right. I love the idea that it just very much every sequence just is unto itself and it connects out through to make a grander narrative. Let's yes or no, because I gotta pee real bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go for yes, just to be different than Patrick. There we go. Mark, is this an action movie? Nah, I'm gonna go with Patrick. I don't think it's much of an action movie, although the action sequences are really rad. Uh, final reviews of Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01 thrice upon a time. John. I loved it. Uh, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, tell John we're not friends no more. John, Patrick says you're not friends anymore. <laughs> Mark, I also loved it. <laughs> uh, and thank you, John, for uh, browbeating me over the Hell years yeah. to finally get me to watch it. I loved it a lot. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Body Counts and Beer, this supersized mega episode, almost as long as the oh, two man. and a half hour movie. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> I am Mark Rosenthal. I am Patrick Bromley. Hey. I'm okay. I'm Jonathan Rooney Taylor. I got this. Don't worry. And we'll see you next time. Bye, idiots. Stop watching things so hard. Don't worry, audience. I will plunge into the anti-reality and forge a new future where none of this ever happened. (laughs) It still happened, Patrick. I'm gonna fight you in a giant robot. Goodbye. Body Counts and Beer is Patrick Bromley, John Rooney Taylor, and Mark Rosenthal. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Just subscribe and leave us a rating or review. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at BodyCountCast, or email us at BodyCountsAndBeer at gmail.com. <laughs>